0: See the screens? I know there's no camera. I gotta get the uh, gotta get the following and do one of them fancy cameras. Can't uh, can't do that yet. Start doing sponsorships. Yes. Yeah. Looking for sponsors, and then I have to find filters so that I can make my face look pretty. Possibly, you know, makeup. Hang out, look like a '80s rock star.
1: Do you think Joe Rogan does makeup?
0: I think Joe Rogan does makeup.
2: Of course, he does makeup.
1: I mean, dude sweats a lot.
2: I mean, he's got to have some sort of
1: anime. I don't know how he got so popular like I remember Joe Rogan as the fear factor guy I don't know where this I, and then he did the MMA stuff the UFC stuff it. so like why do people tune in to listen to what he thinks about stuff why do people tune in to
0: listen to what anybody thinks why is anyone listening to this right now they should just turn it the hell off well everyone should always listen to what I think yeah well we <laughs> listen to what you think. I like, I will I will agree with that. Even if it's wrong, I feel like they should listen to what you think.
1: But I agree. But I, I think that I honestly have things that are better to say than Joe Rogan. Well, first and foremost, I'm going to address what Mike said,
0: which is Joe Rogan sweats a lot. Yes. You watch any UFC? Like he's
2: not in there. He's just sitting there next to Daniel Cormier. Those lights are freaking hot, though. Like when you sit under those lights that they have, like they will cook you. So there's that. And he's wearing a suit under, you know, the Burger King, let's keep your freaking Whopper hot lighting.
0: Yeah. But if you look at Daniel Corman, he was like legit sweaty. Compared to Joe Rogan, he's sweating profusely, so I have to think that Joe Rogan has makeup on. Plus normally he's the one doing all the interviews afterwards. You know, Like all those ones that they tell you they shouldn't be doing after someone's been concussed, and now you're asking them questions, and they have absolutely no idea where they are.
1: You've just received 45 hits to the brain. Absolutely. What's your social security number?
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So the reason that people are listening to Joe Rogan is because if you're asking someone who just got their like nose broken, they're missing teeth, and they probably have like a mild, severe concussion, you're not afraid to ask those hard-hitting questions. After they
2: got hit hard. And Joe, when he's got people on his podcast, he will ask questions. like he'll he'll ask questions that nobody else will ask. He doesn't throw the softball questions out there. He gets people on that are from a wide range of backgrounds that aren't just people who align with what he thinks. He gets people who are complete opposite of him. And he also gets brilliant people like Elon Musk to come on like three separate times.
1: Right. Elon Musk is brilliant. He's a weird son of a bitch. It's because he's brilliant. And he's autistic. Wait, I thought if you were brilliant and rich, you're eccentric. No, no. He when he did Saturday Night Live, he was like, I'm the first autistic person to host. Yeah. So you can't be but you can be autistic and eccentric.
3: Yeah.
1: Is anyone else disappointed that UFC has become what it was, what it is? Where UFC used to be like you do you have a guy that's a sumo wrestler, fight a karate person? and it was like this is awesome before they had the the weight classes and everything well no it just it was like two different specialties and now everyone's like kick kick punch grapple
0: i mean in a way it's it's still two different specialties you're either good at wrestling or you're good at striking
2: and a lot of things have changed like back then you know ufc wasn't and mixed martial arts wasn't as huge then as it is now you have gyms everywhere now that teach that stuff you know, back when the original guy started, it was very few. And now...
1: I just think that it became what it is because of Hoyce Gracie. Because he just dominated.
2: Well,
0: yeah. I mean, but this is the same Horace Gracie who... I remember at the end of the first UFC, Ken Shamrock said he wouldn't beat him except for they made him take his shoes off. Like, that is generally the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Well, it's Ken Shamrock.
2: Yeah. but Have you seen a, Ken Shamrock now? No. Dude's yeah, in his what, like 50s? Almost 60s? Yeah, he's he's more ripped now than I think he was when
1: he was like fighting in his prime. Because being ripped doesn't mean that you're strong necessarily. No, he he's still. When great. you think about like look at those old those old pictures of the guys that did the weight the weight stuff in the vaudeville or back in you know the circus days. They weren't ripped. They were just huge. Look at the strongest man alive competitions. Those guys aren't ripped. They're like, technically you would consider them fat, but they're just massive individuals.
0: Well, I mean, then in that case, here's a question. So you've got the people at the Arnold Classic who look absolutely like massive. Yes. And I don't care what you tell me, they're using steroids. No offense to anyone at the Arnold Classic, but it just, it just seems impossible.
1: It's right? not healthy what they do to their no. bodies regardless.
0: But could they win a world's strongest man competition? No. I feel like, no.
2: But it, you, it's two different disciplines, though. Like, the World Strongman Competition, like, they're, they're going for straight being able to lift massive amounts as to where, like, the Arnold Classic guys, they're like, they're looking at weight, but they're
1: also doing physique. Like, they're critiqued on how they actually look. Yeah, but then they're also, I mean, when you look at them, it's like cookie cutter. They dehydrate their body before they go up there. Everyone has a spray tan. Everyone oils their body. It's just like more of the same. Whereas like with the strongman, you're judged on not only how you've prepared your body for this, but how you actually can, you know, pull a train.
0: Well, I mean, so here's the deal. So we all know we're not supposed to judge, but we all judge people. So, if you have a guy who looks like he's in the strongman competition, like, just take him and put him next to one of those guys from the Arnold Classic. and you ask me who's who looks like they should be able to lift more, I'm going to say the absolutely giant ripped guy, rather than the guy who just, you know, happens to be huge. So, yeah. like, I guess for my thing, I'd have to see how...
1: I think that that's because we're a product of the uh, 80s and 90s, where comic book characters were just absurdly ripped. Uh <laughs> <laughs> you remember hey, so every up. every every comic book character just had massive chest, like the whether it was a man or if. a woman,
2: yeah. <laughs> like the collector in the episode of What If? Like yeah. all
1: of a sudden yeah. he's just like ripped. And everything. So I think that it's been ingrained in us to just associate strength with that unrealistic body type. I mean, we grew up Arnold Schwarzenegger was he Stallone? Huge, yeah, Van yeah. Damme. Stallone's still ripped. Have you yeah. seen Arnold lately? He's like, all right, you're kind of getting older. Like, well,
0: it, I mean, it's almost impossible to stay that route forever, especially
1: and,
2: when you're the governor.
1: Yeah. Well, and also, I mean, he's The governor.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. My um, apologies. Yeah, the governor. Let's not let's not put him down. But no, those are those are true things. And um, now that we've talked about body shaming <laughs> because you know women talk about body shaming. Yes, comic books and action movies put men in a
1: horrible place that most men cannot go. Well, yeah, but kids nowadays, I mean, everyone's, the dad bod's popular, you know, so maybe they're having this, you know, they'll have a different idea of what body expectation is, but body shaming has been a thing forever. It used to be that if you you wanted a fat woman, you know, back in like the 1800s because you knew she could cook, she could, uh, you know, got them childbearing hips, you know. Plus, being overweight or plump was a sign of wealth. Right. Just like uh, in Japan, pale skin is a sign that you don't go out and pick the rice. Right. So you're you're seen as more beautiful. So, body shaming has been a thing forever.
0: Well, I'm just going by 80s and 90s because I know, you know, growing up, you look at those guys, and for me, you know, skinny as a twig, and could not put on weight no matter how much I ate. And then like you said, you see like Stallone and Rambo And now he was wearing a dope-ass pair of Nikes while fighting terrorists. And now he's got really cool shoes, a dope-ass bandana. He can shoot a bow and arrow, and he's buff. And I couldn't do any of that, and I was just trying to ask my dad for, like, 10 bucks so I could just go to the store. So here I am. He's just full-on destroyed me as a human being. I'm just trying to make it through the fucking day. And he's out here doing flips, he's, he's jumping on airplanes, he's fighting on runways, and girls are like, yeah, I like that. And, you know, I go in and I go in the bathroom and I lift up my shirt it looks like a birdcage. <laughs> <That's
1: not crazy. laughs> what am I supposed to do? Well, you, it, Stallone is weird, too, because, like, Stallone was in Rocky, and he didn't have, like, the traditional physique in Rocky 1. But by Rocky, you know, 4 and 5, he's ripped just insanely ripped then he does all the rambos and stuff but then you get to the 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 new releases he did that that Rambo five or six or whatever and he looked objectively bad like he he looked like he may have had plastic surgeon surgery but then he comes back in the expendables and you're like holy fuck (laughs) like you're back in your prime you didn't look so good in that last rambo movie but you know we can also address the fact that expendables was made for our generation you know the people older than I mean, us don't care about
2: it yeah you you look at who they assembled for the expendables it was every iconic action hero of our childhood put into these movies other than Jackie Chan
0: and Jason Statham
2: wasn't he in a later one
0: he was i mean he was a, he's an action Jason well, he's but an he icon, wasn't but
2: he wasn't like he wasn't involved so much in our childhood movies, like the rest of them were. But even then, like Randy Couture wasn't involved in our childhood movies, but Randy Couture was involved in UFC as we were coming up. So I mean, there, there's that part of it. Like Kelsey Grammer wasn't like an action hero.
1: It right. he was, wasn't he Frazier?
2: Yeah, <laughs> I mean,
0: well, and when, he was
1: the beast.
2: Well, yeah, I mean,
0: but if you if you're a big fan of Cheers, maybe Kelsey Grammer's an action hero to you. You ever see him walk into that bar on Cheers? Very true. Put a lot of confidence. Very that he was true. Smarter than everybody. Norm always pointed him out.
1: Isn't Kelsey Grammer kind of responsible for the whole metrosexual movement? he? I thought it was. The, who was his brother on Frasier? I thought that was the guy. I I, I just think Frasier in general, like per, presented like this intellectual guy that takes care of himself, and he's not like a day laborer. No. I, I mean, that
0: was like I thought that was the entire scope of the eighties. It was like,
2: look at me. I the, work, the 80s like, was the, the scope yeah, of the 80s was a lot of cocaine, yeah, yeah. And,
0: and just nice, a lot, nice a lot of cocaine. And a bunch of
1: people who look like, who look like Don Johnson walking around in their ass. No, no, I think that that's the, the thing that we were presented you know, the the yuppie culture in the you know big city. But you also had you know, glam rock going on. You have to address that being a huge thing, hair nation, baby. I mean, yeah. for the kids coming up. We weren't looking at the, you know, American (laughs) Psycho-esque, you know, I'm a Wall Street executive. We were looking at freaking,
3: yeah,
1: Bon Jovi and Twisted Sister, you know, that was what we thought was cool. But at
0: the same time, you did
1: have, like, Michael Jackson, who, I mean, was slightly
0: metrosexual, at least made you like, I mean... And Prince, don't don't give me start off. As Prince. we said earlier, but as we said losses, earlier, eccentric,
1: eccentric. They're geniuses, therefore they're eccentric. Prince was eccentric.
2: Michael Jackson was in a category all of his own.
1: Yeah, but we have to address the childhood abuse that Michael Jackson went through that kind no, no, of no. That you, created him. You were absolutely right, but he was still in a category all of his own. I
0: mean, true, but. Like Bill said, I still remember that VH1 Jackson 5 movie where it's just him outside on this on the sidewalk trying to do the spin because they won't let him be in the Jackson 5 because he can't do the spin. He's just out there falling down and his mother's upset and she's like, he really shouldn't be pushing himself like this and then Joe Jackson just walks up to her and he's like, we well, has gotta get it. He'll never be on TV. He'll like, never be on TV. That's where you're at. <laughs> like, your mom absolutely cares about your mental well-being but at the same time your dad is walking in there and whooping everybody's ass in the room. So it doesn't really matter because in Joe Jackson's mind, Mike is right. <laughs> so you better do that
1: spin. He'd have fit in an early Rome. <laughs> the whole head of the household thing. You know, it's real big in the Roman culture.
0: <laughs> but then I also get angry because I look at him and then I look at Prince. And Prince is a far better artist. And he was far more talented. Then Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson was a great
1: performer. Yeah, but Prince was a great performer, too. He did Purple Rain in the rain. He also, I mean, what did did Michael Jackson do? The Wiz? We don't talk about that. I thought we were talking about The Wiz. (laughs) But Purple Rain is a great movie, and Prince carries that movie.
0: Oh, no, it's not The Wiz. I apologize. It's not The Wiz. It's Return to Oz.
1: No, Return to Oz this, gave me straight up nightmares as a yeah, child. It's, it's, I couldn't yeah. deal with the cutting the heads off, and the Wheelers. The Wheelers haunted my dreams. Like the the noise <laughs>
0: that the Wheelers make. That's the one yeah, I, think I was like, yes, the, like, that Return that sound.
1: Oz. It was like a complete one eighty. Like Wizard of Oz was happy in Munchkinland. We're gonna eat popsicles and shit. And then like even like the Wicked Witch of the West wasn't. Scary, Wasn't all that wicked? But then you go and you do return to Oz, and it starts in a mental institution, for Christ's sakes. Well,
0: I mean, it was just like, like you said, like you get there, and it looks like a a nuke has hit Oz, and everything is bad. Like, it is, what's the movie with uh, Matt Damon, where he's like, he's on Earth, and all the rich people live in Elysium. Yeah, that's what it looked like, was the bad part of Earth on Elysium. It's like, there's no good here. Like, you hear, you're like, return to Oz. You're excited. You're a kid.
1: And then you get there, and you're like, this is, this is worse than, than I could have ever thought. Yeah, um Sci-Fi Channel did a, a remake called Tin Man. And it was kind of the same premise, that after Dorothy, like, left, Oz went to shit. <laughs> you know? So, I think we can just blame Dorothy, you know? I mean, would just blame
0: Dorothy. But, I mean, technically, all of this was all her fault, because, you know, her house killed. The witch of the East. But, I mean, she was a witch, though. Yeah, but I mean, like, who are we to judge? We don't know what she was
2: doing. I mean, can we really blame her though? I mean, that's one person versus an entire like
0: civilization.
2: I, I, Should I, blame the civilization. I'm sure
1: she was good, but like just because she did some good things doesn't mean that she wasn't an authoritarian leader. Kim Jong-un is objectively a bad person, but North Korea has a hundred percent literacy rate. Just because he's good at one thing. Doesn't mean he's not m- murdering his people.
0: So what you're saying is, and I'm am on board with this read or die program that they got going on in <laughs> <on> North <to read. laughs> Like you better learn to read, or we're gonna take you out to the rice paddy fields and you're you're done. We're getting ready.
1: Going to one of those re-education <laughs> camps. We got.
0: We're just gonna push you right into the DMZ and see and see what happens. I'm here for that. But I mean, for okay, so here's a question about Wizard of Oz. This woman. Out of nowhere, and just because her house happens to slam down on somebody that you dislike, and she walks out of it, now she's the leader.
1: I mean, I mean, are we
2: going with like Riddick? Like you get
1: (laughs) you get to keep what (laughs) you you kill. kill. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and the the shoes, the the shoes chose her. They magically transported to her feet. She didn't choose to put on the ruby slippers. So, and she left in a hot air balloon,
2: but the house magically showed
1: back up. Because it's supposed to be all in her dreams. Like, some of those early, like, artists, like, stuff from our childhoods that you don't really think about. Like, Winnie the Pooh. Really screwed up? Winnie the Pooh, for example. The dude that wrote it was a World War I veteran who couldn't deal with what he saw. And he was writing a children's story to explain his feelings to his kids. So that's why each Winnie the Pooh character has a different emotion. Eeyore's depression, uh, rabbits like narcissism, all that stuff, and it was used as a way for him to explain to his son, "Daddy's fucked up from the war." So, what is Pooh just eating your feelings? Maybe gluttony. I mean, <laughs> gluttony. Hmm. I mean, I guess. I mean, you know, whatever.
0: Or, I when mean, going to come like you never know. Well, that's what
1: happened. Maybe that's a political commentary on the cause of war or one. <laughs> that could also be true. Yeah.
0: That could
1: also be that's, that's one of those those crazy things. When you really break it down and think about it, it was a bunch of like the rich royals that are like, we got all these new weapons and we want to try them. We're just waiting for a reason to go to war. <laughs> and then
0: someone gives them a reason.
1: Yeah, but I mean, yes. Austria-Hungary had a reason to go to war with Bosnia or Serbia or wherever it was. All the other countries didn't technically have a reason. They kind of were just like, well, we signed this kind of agreement with this country, so we kind of have to do it. Um, it. It really was like, once it got moving, it was too much to stop. You know, even, even uh, the Russian czar, he tried to contact the King of England and was like, we should probably do something before things get really bad. But his military moved so quickly that it was like, too late. Now we got to go to war. So I just
0: wonder now. It's like, oh, we just call up the countries you signed a contract with. And be like, hey, you signed this treaty.
1: Uh, I'm going to need you to help me right now. Yeah, but treaties nowadays have kind of lost all meaning. Well, there's no honor anymore. You know, you can sign. You <laughs> That's can...
2: the key right there. There's no honor and nobody holds true to their – everybody's word means okay. nothing. Because nobody full follows through with what they say.
1: I mean, all, it all sounds... Because crazy. you sign non-binding agreements. You know, things like the, the Paris Climate Accords, or there was one before that about the climate. And it was... There's no penalty to do it or not do it. It's just, hey, this seems nice. You know, um, international pressure really isn't what it used to be. It just really isn't.
0: you know? well, if you drop out now, uh, what... What's the name of the climate change girl? Right uh
3: Thornburg
1: yeah,
0: she'll, she'll, she'll show up like uh like Mel Gibson right and Braveheart in the middle of the night.
1: And drop you. out of school. Or drop out of climate change. Yeah, or, and then yeah. she'll hit
0: you with a mace on the top of the head and ride off
2: on her horse.
1: No, out she'll out just get the up there and yell at you.
2: I was thinking more like she was gonna show up like the candyman, but okay. <laughs> if you adjust
0: <laughs> if you adjust your <laughs> thermostat, she appears behind you. Oh, okay, so, see, I can, I can, I can do that because I'm just like, if you're a grown man in your bathroom saying the twelve year old's name three times,
1: then uh, we have more problems. than but the Candyman, isn't she from the country where the uh, Vikings come from? I and mean, she definitely looks like she would get on the ship.
0: And shouldn't carry the red? Shouldn't? not like she would navigate anywhere other than to her death on a ship, though. Right. But she's not there for that. She's there once, like the Vikings raid. She's there to make sure that the climate's okay for them to be. Out and
3: about see if yeah. I lived in like Norway
1: and Sweden and stuff like that, like I'd be pissed. I'd be like, we need to remind Europe that we're not people to fuck around with, like <laughs> we used to run shit around here, and you guys just kind of act like you're cool, used to used to now they're now they're nice people you know, yeah, I mean the same can be said for the French. The French used to really be badass at war, and I mean the last two world wars are any indication, not so much anymore. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, they got cultured,
1: To culture. Well, they they also had like years of like revolution. Like, we managed to like get ours done quicker in a hurry compared to them. Yeah, but when they did it, they did it. No, they they, they didn't I mean, do it.
0: They did they finally it. Finally got it. They did it again, and then they did it, it, they it again. It. Did it again. It was great. You know, I mean, maybe next time you don't tell them, let them eat cake. Like maybe maybe you start thinking about somebody other than yourself when there's. Like, 100,000 angry people outside of your doorstep.
1: Yeah, but that was just the start of the revolution. They actually brought the monarch back at one point. You had Napoleon come up, and that was a shit show. It, before they had a stable democracy, it was years. You had the whole uh, terror where uh, Maximilian and Rose, Rose Pierre was just cutting everyone's head off. I think he killed like 4 million people. Just for any reason. But he also got his head cut off. So, you know, win some, lose some. Yeah. I
0: mean, cool. you know what? He was in a, we'll call
1: it a supervisory position. And he he's making, he's making choices. My favorite little... Budget cuts. Budget cuts. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite little bit of, like, knowledge about the French Revolution is, like, one of the leaders of it lived in a bathtub. <laughs> he was just a crazy guy in a bathtub that wrote all this fucking inflammatory shit. <laughs> Where is that movie? <laughs> I don't know. I am here for that movie.
0: Leonardo DiCaprio as crazy Frenchman in a bathtub.
2: He, would, awesome. he would probably nail it. Like that, That's some award stuff right there.
0: And at the end, you can have uh, what's-her-name from Titanic come and drown him. Just like she did. <laughs> Put a door right on top of him.
1: <laughs> but she's got to do it as the character from Mara Eastwood. <laughs> <laughs> With that horrible accent.
0: Put <laughs> a plot twist. At the end, at the end of a period piece, <laughs> I've come from the future to drown you,
1: like Don <laughs> Cheadle from Endgame. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the only thing that would have made Endgame any better is if, when War Machine shows up, Terrence Howard shows up on Thanos' side to fight to get his suit back.
1: I, I saw I saw a. Uh... Like a meme comic of Terrence Howard behind the what if. <laughs> oh, I it. saw that. What if Terrence Howard secured the bag? <laughs> yeah. I think that, I mean, if you compare the two actors, right, Don Cheadle's always going to be the better actor. But also, who played the part better? Don Cheadle. You know, Terrence Howard's too Terrence Howard. You know, he worked in Iron Man 1, but Don Cheadle just plays it better. The chemistry he has with with Robert Downey Jr. is just more there. Well, I think with with Terrence Howard, you have to
0: pay for the chemistry, and Marvel refused to pay for the chemistry, kind of like they refused to pay Scarlett Johansson and her Black Widow money. (laughs) But then it was cool because everybody liked Robert Downey Jr. Now it's bad because in my, uh, I think everyone was kind of done with the MCU now. I don't know. I, Did you
1: see Shang Chi?
0: I have not seen it yet, but um, I, I mean, I would like to say somebody on the internet said it is the uh, it's the Asian Black Panther. So I want to go see it because I need to see if the entire crowd stands up at the end and there are just people crying for no apparent reason. I I clapped at the end of it. I was excited. I cried, and then as me and you were leaving, was right when it kicked in that I just watched The
1: Lion King. <laughs> my favorite part about... I like, did I just watch The Lion King? My favorite yes, part yes, about seeing <laughs> like, yeah. Black Panther on opening night was the people dressed in the sheepies. So I wonder if people went to Shang-Chi dressed in, like, the Oriental garb. Or, right. Asian garb, I'm sorry. Oriental's yeah.
2: a bad yeah.
0: word.
1: That
2: opening night at Black Panther was rather interesting.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, it... The opening out of Black Panther reminded me of the opening scene in uh coming to America. I'm like, Am I
1: in Zimbabwe? <laughs> or or uh what was that, that con or that T V show in the eighties where the kids were in college? Um
0: Oh, different world.
1: Yeah. There was that one guy from a different world that always wore the real colorful clothes.
0: Yeah, and yeah. Uh, but like and he's like all about it, but like you're like, from like Detroit. I need you to calm that down. Like if you go to Africa people who they don't like African Americans in Africa. <laughs> yeah. Like, I get it, but you're from Detroit. Like, you know, not to bring up racism, but if somebody says, hey, go back to where you came from, I'm like, cool, because I was born in Bedford. <laughs> I mean, I don't have a place to stay there, but that's where
1: I'm going. That's where we need to start shifting the narrative to, to just consider everyone an American. Right. Um, and then, you know, you have heritage. Everyone's going to have heritage and a culture of their own and, and ethnic origin. But if you're born here, you're an American. Yes. You know, it's when I'm an African-American or I'm a, a Latino-American or Hispanic-American, white-American, it, it just adding that, you know, qualifier at the front of it causes division. Um, plus, then it makes people feel like they can't just say, hey, white guy, or hey, black guy, or like that you're doing something wrong there. He was a Caucasian male i white, you know.
0: No, I, I've said that for
1: years. Is you need to take off the front, and just everyone is an
0: American. But I also believe that once you do that, and although it sounds horribly wrong, now when you fill out anything online, you don't have to fill out all that stuff. Like you might be able to do like male, female, something like that if you want to. But now all you have to do is male, female, whatever your age range is, and then click that thing that says I'm not a robot. I'm
2: mm-hmm. not a robot. But now they've got the robot that can click the I am not a robot and then make it past that little thing.
1: We're just screwed. We're just screwed. The robots are going to take over.
0: I mean, is that robot that can click I am not a robot? Is that Skynet? Is that the beginning of Skynet?
2: It feels like the beginning of Skynet.
1: Or the Matrix.
0: Don't get me started. Don't get me started. I watched that trailer and I'm just at this point, I'm like, Geeked wow. out,
2: ready to go? I mean, I want to see it,
0: yes. But I he... definitely want to see, like, John Wick in The Matrix. I can't wait. But I don't know if he but, looked uh... like he was
2: playing John Wick or
1: if he looked like he was playing... He looked like he was playing John Wick. Bill and Ted, the, 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 the new Bill and Ted movie, he kind of looked like that, too, though. I mean, it's was...
2: just kind of his look, period, now, though. Like, you see him <laughs> in real life, like, when he's working at ARC on his motorcycles... That's what he looks like, or Arch, whatever. I think it's
1: Arch that he calls it. I mean, he's That's come a long way like. since Bill and Ted as an actor. But yeah. he, he does more or less have the same... Did your computer shut off? No, I don't think so. It just goes into a... Uh,
2: Deep sleep mode?
1: Yeah. Because
2: so, yeah. that'd be really interesting if we have been talking for, you know, however That's long insane. and then it just didn't record
0: anything. Right. It. Like It's legit the greatest conversation ever had by man. Yes. So we've now gone into... Keanu Reeves and why him and Nicolas Cage have played the same person in every movie that they've ever been in?
1: Uh, you know, I don't know that it's been the same. Nicolas Cage, you either get a great performance or horrible. you get a fucking weird performance. Like, uniquely Ghost weird. Rider?
2: Yeah. Or what was that
0: movie where he... <laughs> you know, <I> mean, <laughs>
2: yeah, that was unique. It was a pretty horrible movie. Yeah. Oh, really, and you then, then they... To? He was in two, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, that one was
1: even worse. I like I, I thought one was bad, two was horrible. That before, all Marvel movies made before 2008, in in hindsight, Shouldn't count. have a lot of bad things about them.
0: I refuse to believe this only because when I went to stay with my mom in Colorado, it was the same weekend that Daredevil with Ben Athlete came out. So when I arrived, that was the first place that we went because I wanted to see it. And yes, I understand it wasn't the greatest, but because I wasted two hours that I'll never get back in my life, I will defend Daredevil until the day that I die. And technically, I don't think it was horrible, horrible. I think that... Uh,
1: the scene where he's gearing up and then doing all that stuff for no reason, just against the wall, that makes no sense. The best movie Ben Affleck ever had was Dogma, okay? Other than that, no. Chasing Amy was great. Okay, yeah. (laughs) You know, that accounting
0: movie wasn't bad.
1: Wasn't he in Argo? Didn't that win, like, an Academy Award?
2: Who cares about
0: Argo? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, fine. Did you see Argo? No, I didn't. Absolutely. No one saw Argo.
2: No, but did you see Dogma? Yes. I I
0: had Dogma. I watched Dogma for, like, a week straight on DVD. Like, every day.
1: I watched Chasing Amy on VHS.
0: Yeah. I mean, I watched the, The Care Band. And I wore out a RoboCop VHS.
2: I had The Princess Bride on VHS. And I have it on DVD. Yeah. And the book.
1: I heard the book gets, like, crazy. The book gets dark. Yeah. Like, real dark. It's a weird thing. It's because the book was written for the movie. Like, in conjunction with the script. Same thing with Space Odyssey 2001. Written in conjunction with the script. Do Do you always read the book? Before you see the movie or now? If I can help it, yes.
0: What
2: about you? Whatever I have time for. <laughs> okay. I so... don't. I don't sit at home. So like, <laughs> <laughs> here, here's the thing. I try not to sit at home. So like, if it's nice out, I try to get on
1: the bike and go. But here's the question: Name a movie that's better than the book it's based on. <clears throat> that is a. Uh,
0: uh, you know what? I'm gonna die on this sword because I feel like it. I'm gonna say Lord of the Rings.
3: I was gonna say Lord of the Rings too.
1: <laughs> have you ever read Lord of the Rings? It's yeah, fucking, it's, it's so long!
0: Like Lord of the Rings to me is I don't know if you've read any of the Game of Thrones books. I read the first one. I have read, read the
2: books or seen the show.
0: The books are like and it's it's a lot about for Game of Thrones especially like he's like talking about like they go into like a place where they're selling things and he's like you can smell this and you can smell that and I'm like listen I can imagine so much but I can't imagine smell I need you to just like I need you to get on with it and I get it if you're, you're trying to have to, there's some literary device that you're trying to use or that you
2: even the Harry Potter, Potter books like I couldn't sit down and read all of those books but you want to sit down and have a marathon for the movies sure but I I can't I can't devote that much time to sit down
1: and read this book. So whereas Lord of the Rings has a lot of unnecessary side bullshit, like there's all these songs, and there's this whole character called Tom Bombadil that is in the books, that's not in the movie, that really has no point. The Harry Potter books have a lot of things that are either left out of the movie, or come to play in later movies or later books that are significant.
2: Oh, I'm sure they are.
1: So I would say that the Harry Potter books as an overarching creation all seven books or six books or how many ever there are um are better than all of the movies because they paint a bigger world yeah i just can't take that amount of time yeah but most books are better than their movies
0: like i don't know when it was but at some point in my life i decided that i had to cut reading out of my life probably when i was like you know you can you can just get an audio book and i'm like someone will read this for me
2: i i cut reading out of my life like books and stuff like that after i got back from iraq when I had to, like, you know, start doing real adult things, like working a real job and not just sitting somewhere and, like, having time to read. I read QRF for so many books in Iraq. Yeah, like, I read The Da Vinci Code, like, six times in Fallujah because I had QRF for six
1: hours a day. Da I read the worst book of my life in Iraq. Slaughterhouse-Five, I hate that book. <laughs> it's, it's pointless, but I was stuck on post and it was watching a radio waiting for someone to call me, so I just read it. I was up for, like, two days. Well, at some point, while serving, things will become so
0: boring that something becomes great. Like, at, there were certain points that Rifleman died, was like, oh, I got this on the edge of my seat. What's going to happen to this guy? And I was back, and like, that was a
3: horrible book.
0: But it was the only book I had.
2: There were so many, like, things that I read while I was over there. Like, I don't remember what they were because and it was just... To...
0: Yeah, I, like, <laughs> they gave it to us. I always had it in my seatbelt. bag. one day, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to read this book. I mean, there has to be a reason that they've given me this book. And I was bored. and Nothing else was
1: going on. I mean, you know. And the Marine Corps couldn't even, like, give you an actual bound book. It's literally printed pages.
2: That you have to put into <laughs> a binder. Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't remember like half the stuff I read because it was just, it was something to read to pass the time so I wasn't just sitting there staring at desert. So I don't even remember what the hell I was reading. I remember The Da Vinci Code, Marine Sniper, whatever the second book was about Hathcock. I can't remember what the name of that one was. Those are like the three I actually remember reading and then I remember a bunch of MCIs. That I I didn't, didn't even that MCIs. I didn't even like turn in. They were just <laughs> MCIs that were there that I didn't have like the test for or the ability to go, hey, I wanna take this one. We just had the
1: books for the MCIs. And I'm like, hmm.
2: Read this one six times.
1: So during the invasion we were told like we couldn't take anything, like right? because we were always moving. So we weren't allowed to take books, we weren't allowed to take C D players, Walkman's anything. A couple guys got away with it. Our one doc, he had a little mini disc player that as long as you gave him batteries for it, he'd let you use it. And then one of the snipers that was in my track, he had the count, count of Monte Cristo. Um, so the second time I went over, like the entire bottom of my sea bag was books. So I was like, fuck this. I'm not going to be that bored again. <laughs> because we got to that point a lot where we were throwing fucking rocks at each other. You know, you're at war. You think that it'd be like constant. They don't tell you that like
2: it's like mostly runs just sitting
1: the fuck around. And staring. Well,
0: I mean, they kind of said it was going to be a little bit of hurry up and wait.
1: Yeah. <laughs> a lot of hurry up a and wait. A lot
0: more waiting than, than you might have actually thought.
2: It's not like what Call of Duty shows everybody. There's there's a lot more of just... What is... No? No, that's just... No, yeah, but there's not periods always. where it's
1: like Call of Duty. You know, where you have like your, your significant battle. But what they don't tell you is that for a month and a half, you've been shitting in a hole in the desert and living in a pit rationing water so what you're telling me right now
0: is that you're not running into the middle of a thousand shooting bullets and getting shot by a 12 year old and then just responding on the other side
2: no no and he's not doing a little dance over your body i have right never now. once teabagged a body <laughs> 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 you've now completely ruined
1: also you can't just jump and not get hit by the grenade. That's not yeah. how it works. <laughs> You're absolutely ruining the recruiting rates right now.
2: Not sure if you know this, but grenades don't actually emit a fireball either. What? Sorry really, sorry to disappoint you. They don't emit a fireball. I
1: will say about recruiting. So, like, the Army did the recruiting like video game. I think recruiters nowadays have it way easier than in our day. The Marine Corps did one. Well, but they the recruiting commercials are great. You know, even the Air Force looks like it's high-speed, low-drag, you know, you don't know that you're going to be fixing a plane, not, you know, flying that right. 16. Uh, but in our day, you know, the big recruiting video is that lava monster. Oh, yeah. And then he's got the sword and then it turns into the Mameluke and everything. Yeah. And I remember being at boot camp pissed off because I haven't fought a fucking lava monster yet. All four years. Never fought a lava monster. I
0: remember when I got there and I was like, okay, so when did they give us the sword? And then they're like, you have to get to a certain
1: rank. And I'm like, are you serious? And you don't even get the cool one that they leave on TV. You have to be an officer for that one. Yeah, you know. I remember when you get the sword when a drone server gets mad at you during drill and it comes oh, yeah. to the platoon with the fucking sword, <laughs> and you're like, "Holy shit!"
2: <laughs> this gentleman doesn't care. Although I do have to admit, Marine Corps recruiting commercial that's ne- up there with the lava monster is the one they did a couple years ago where they went back from like the history till now.
1: No, I'm saying that the videos the, now, the recruiting commercials now, are great. Well, yeah, but the one, the one that
2: they did where the the statue that they use is actually at Quantico at the Marine Corps Museum, right. but it's the one where it's all the, like, little pieces that are built into the guy that's sitting there with, like, the M4 that's, like, our generation at war, where all the little things are out there, like, all the way out to the end of the M4 rifle and everything. That commercial was pretty badass. Yeah. And that statue in person
1: is pretty sweet, looking at all the detail on it all the way around. So... Let me ask you this: With the 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 war in Afghanistan ending, okay, and the war in Iraq ending, what two thousand twelve? We pulled out. I I don't know. Do you? We went back in, but yeah. Well, when do you think the government's going to get around to doing an OIF OEF monument like the Vietnam War Memorial? Because the Vietnam War Memorial was built like what nineteen eighty two.
2: So I think technically, for them to do it. On the National Mall, there is, and I, I could be wrong on the years, but I think it's I'm almost positive it's 20 years after the um, conflict is declared over. I think there is a a time that has to pass before it can be. I think the Vietnam War
1: Memorial was done before the World War Two one. I think it was. Hmm.
2: It may have been, but I there is a there is a period of time before. It can be put forth for them to actually do it. But there is one that's in southern Indiana. I think it's southern Indiana, just over the border, that's a OIF memorial. That one is supposed to be really, really good.
1: I think that I would be more of a fan of a memorial that just commemorates the war, rather than something like the Vietnam Wall that has all the names on it. So, here's the deal with that,
0: though. If they build this thing, It'll be wonderful but let's be honest when we say that if it's built under a democratic president all republicans will hate it and vice versa yeah at least for like 10 to 20 years and then like most monuments it'll be like now if you say anything against it you might as well be a terrorist
1: well if it's built under a democratic president the republicans will say well you're we don't like the design or it's it's disrespectful to the troops if it's built under a Republican president, the Democrats are gonna bitch about, you know, the cost of it or it glorifying war or something. You know, no one can be happy. Everything's gotta be politicized. I mean, look at the NDAA 2021, right? We can all talk about the military-industrial complex in this country and how that's an issue, but there was key legislation in that that bill that granted conditions to vietnam veterans that had been waiting years and the president vetoed it for political bullshit reasons because it also dictated that the confederate bases have to have their names changed now it passed the house with or it passed congress with veto proof majority and you know they overruled his veto but that's a you're playing with people's lives at this point for political reasons absolutely but I mean isn't that
0: what the government's been doing for years now yeah I mean I, I think we've had this conversation 55 times it is like third grade you learn about how the government works and you basically learn that the president is about I mean it's got a little bit more power but it's just a glorified figurehead to take all the blame and that everything is based upon like Congress and Senate but yet we blame the one person like
1: and who's I guess, there for you know, the like, shortest so, period like, of time yeah like, no, no. And it's become that way because that person is now seen as the figurehead of his party, right. and that's not how it's supposed to be. Congress and the president, whereas they should work together, should still be separate. They should still be, you know, if you're a Republican and you get voted in the freaking the presidency, you're no longer supposed to be a Republican. Technically, you're supposed to be acting the will of the American people. You represent everyone. Congress have their constituents that they represent and represent their interests. You're on equal level. You shouldn't be the head of the party. That's not how it should be. There's so many fundamental things about how our our government's broken. We we shouldn't have a two-party system. George Washington spoke out against that.
0: Okay, well then, here's a question. I'll throw this at you, Mike. Who's the last president you remember? being the president of the people. Because there, I don't think there's one that's been in our lifetime at all. It's been pretty much uh, gangs in New
1: York out there. <laughs> I, so, it's not in our lifetime, but the last president, I think, and he was an objectively bad president, was Jimmy Carter. Now, he was a bad president because he was too let's do everything. Um, and he let some stuff that was holdovers from Ford and Reagan, or Ford and, and Nixon, pass and unchecked, um, but he really tried to do as much as he could for everyone, but the problem is, is you can't please everyone. There's got to be compromises. A good compromise is everyone's kind of pissed off a little bit.
0: Right, so we all well, generally know we can't make people happy, so I would say the only thing I've seen close to that in my lifetime is possibly Bill Clinton.
1: Yeah, but I remember people being real pissed at Bill Clinton. You I mean, he was
2: getting blowjobs him. in the Oval Office, which yeah. you know kind of pissed a lot of people off.
0: And
1: don't forget that
0: don't forget that ninety four crime bill. Oh.
1: <laughs> don't ask, don't tell was Clinton too. Yeah. I mean, the first bombing of the World Trade Center was Clinton. Yeah.
0: If you're listening to this and you're a huge Bill Clinton fan, I do
1: apologize. I mean, there's nothing we can do the but, but the, the dude but, could play a mean saxophone though He could on our we also uh, have this, yeah. uh, he 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 balanced the budget and managed the deficit very well you know but he had his issues he wasn't a perfect president i think that the i think the defining thing from his presidency historically is going to be his sexual misconduct because it's such nowadays would be like such an issue because of his position over her when well, it doesn't help now that they have
2: the what the docu series or whatever the hell it is that's out on like fx or some stuff now
0: oh yeah it started uh just last week yeah yeah that
2: uh it's a whole series about the entire the yeah, entire thing i think it's
1: Lewinsky's point of view apparently uh, monica Lewinsky's on twitter i don't have a twitter account but apparently she's hilarious i mean like you got to think about it. She has made all of her money
0: off of this. And she has managed to stay relevant. And she hasn't place. been Clinton either.
2: Right. She Hillary has not come after her, which...
1: I think people give the Clintons too much credit. For suiciding people? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that... I, I think that they, they tried to build a political dynasty and failed. Miserably. I mean, the handbag does have a lot of reach, and I'm sure she's got some pretty shady connections. <laughs> I was I was talking with my boss the other day oh. about how, you know.
2: <laughs> Did the handbag just catch it's, up to yeah, you? Yeah, oh my
1: god,
0: here we are. This is, where, this is where we come. This is where we come.
2: This is where we derail.
0: The, I mean, we already derailed from everything, yes. but at the same time, you know, yeah, I mean, so what we're saying is the Clintons had like the Winter Soldier. Like just sitting there just waiting to go just waiting to go off people. So apparently they let the Winter Soldier go on Jeffrey Epstein just a little bit too late.
1: Or too early.
0: I mean, they probably should have got to him
1: before you know the picture got out. I think that Jeffrey Epstein reveals something very telling about our nation. That we or not even our nation, our world. And it's been throughout history. The rich have a different set of laws than we do. They just have a different set of things they can get the fuck away with. Um, It's pretty cut and dry that Prince Andrew was banging a teenager. I mean, there's pictures of it. She's like, yes, I was a teenager. We had sex. And he's protected because he's part of the royal family and they have oodles of money. Um, All of the people... That have associated with that man throughout the years. It's whether they were taking part in the crazy child trafficking thing, or whether they were just there for whatever business interests, you're still associating with someone you could probably tell is not, not a great guy. Yeah, I mean he was rich, you know,
0: so. Yeah. I agree, your your rules are the rules are different. Jeff Jeffrey Epstein gets away
1: with it because he's rich. Jared from Subway goes to prison. He wasn't rich enough. He was well, rich enough. Well, and also the difference with Jared from Subway, I think, was <laughs> literally the age. <laughs> like, he was having sex with toddlers. Oh, is that a thing? I thought he was 16-year-olds and flying them up. I'm pretty sure he did that, too. But, like, he had, like, child porn. He had, like, kid kids. Hopefully, did the we were totally getting sued for slander. It's not slander if it's true.
0: He no, might say that it's not true.
1: I think he's been convicted of it. so yeah, I think it's so true. It must be true. I <laughs> mean,
0: <laughs> well, people go to jail for the wrong thing all the time. Not that I'm back in jail from Subway. It's to just a man who ate a ton of Subway sandwiches and lost a bunch of weight. Well, could have been the American dream right there. There's I that. Mean, uh, my uh, name it. hasn't been spoken yet, so. <laughs> <laughs> a,
1: no, we said Mike. <laughs> There, there was that South Park him. episode. Just talking
0: about Jeff from Subway. Okay, Bill
1: Hind. Oh, no, <laughs> there's that that Subway episode. Podcast <laughs> my
3: name on it. I super
2: sweet. <laughs> he's in jail. It's not like he has access. It's to It's not podcasts. like he's the handbag who can reach us from anywhere. His <laughs> long subs, his reach, is worldwide. Dude, those footlong subs aren't a foot long. They're like eleven inches. I think they're tops. like eight. The, foot-
0: <laughs> the subs
1: are overcompensating. Yeah, baby, it yeah, it's fancy. It's a foot, foot long. long. Well, and I mean your foot's not a foot long. I mean unless you're like shack.
2: This is like a size twenty six, I think. Yeah.
3: Good.
2: Right. His shoe is ridiculous. Yeah. That big. Yeah. Not that anybody on the fight listening to the podcast could see. Yeah. But I mean you can look up like a size twenty six shoe. I mean I've held his shoe before. Why? Uh because when Tim was doing uh Toys for Tots, when Shaq played for Cleveland, he signed one of his shoes and gave it to us as a raffle thing. So we had one of his shoes to
1: raffle off. Was it like a used shoe, or did he just shine the shoe? The soldier or the no, game it shoe? was
2: one of his game shoes.
1: So it smelled.
2: No, he only had it for one game.
1: Oh. To my knowledge, it
2: was only one game. Yeah. I don't know. I just held the shoe, and I was like, this thing is ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of weight to that shoe. Yeah, I remember like growing up, and like, man, I wish I
0: seven foot two and how great it would be and now that i see it like being a giant it's just a
1: hindrance speaking of shack have you seen shack lately i saw an episode it, of treehouse masters with him on it
2: no like shack within, like, <laughs> within like the
1: last couple of months
2: shack no
0: I mean, he seems to be doing okay
2: he is not in the shape that he was when he was doing the commentary before when like everybody was making fun of him he is like Shaq's got a six-pack again, right. Shaq? Well, I
0: mean, he was just on AEW, and he went through a table. I think they're trying to put together him and, uh, him and the Big Show to have a match. Oh, man. Which is going to be horrible because they're both, like, 55.
2: Yeah, but Shaq's in shape. Is the
0: Big Show in shape? Yeah, he got back in shape. Like, Did he's, he? He's, he's, like, he's in the best shape of his life.
1: Wasn't Shaq the one guy that got deputized Yeah. in the, in the one city for a TV show? Well, he
0: just wanted to be a deputy. I've, but when you
1: said it, I automatically thought Steven goal. Yeah. Well, yeah, but then he went all crazy like Russia.
0: And then I mean, he's so he's
2: been kind of crazy for a while. Yeah.
0: Wait, has Steven Seagal been in an Expendables movie?
2: I, I don't know. No. I think they left him out.
1: Maybe he's been in like an Expendables in Russia. I know he's like
0: like that regular the movie that. they had where the one guy's like power was he turned into a bear?
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> a bad movie. <laughs> I think it was on Netflix. They keep trying to get me to watch it. It's totally dumb too and like badly. Don't they like go to war on the moon?
0: I think so. Yeah. I mean, I'm Against
1: here. Nazis.
0: Yeah. As long as they play into the campiness I'm here to watch a bad movie. Like what? I don't I just don't need
2: you to have a bad movie where you're trying to make me think it's not a bad movie. War That's on the movie. moon against the well, that's an urban legend. I mean, any time that we fight the Nazis,
1: I'm, uh, I'm all for it. Do but I that, have a bear Jew? That's a whole urban well, I mean, legend. That,
2: that they're in Russia,
0: so there might be a slight chance
1: that the guy who turns into a bear could be
2: Jewish. As, is it the bear Jew? No. Like, did he, like, mutate? And then but he, he, he didn't became a bear?
3: A bear? He did
2: a bat. I mean, if he is a bear, he no longer needs the bat. Just a
0: Jew.
3: I like that's the a bat.
2: bat.
0: The bat was the fun thing for me in that movie. Like, you hear it, and then this guy comes out, and you're like, oh, this yeah, about to get real. I if, mean,
2: if you turn into a bear, then you no longer need the bat because now you're a
0: bear. But what's more dangerous than a bear with a, bear. a bat?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 right, yeah. I,
1: I would yeah. actually argue that a bear with a bat is less effective than a bear without a bat. <laughs> that that you yeah. a have, have, have you looked at like a bear's paws? Like, they can't exactly like grab a but bat. But what type of bear are we talking about? Because a black bear is not as deadly as a grizzly. No, No, but a black bear is still... A polar bear. Well, yeah.
2: But all three are still more deadly than a human being with just a bat.
1: I don't know. I think a human being with a bat could take a black bear. If you hit it right. I'll give you a bat and we'll get you a black bear and I want to <laughs> film this. I'm like 100% sure that my cause of death will be me fighting a wild animal at some point in my life.
3: Wait, who's I, I want to film even... it.
0: I mean, like if it's Albert Bell, circa, sort of like nineteen
2: ninety-three <laughs> with a bat. I my money's on, on Albert, Bell. Albert. My money is on Albert Bell. <laughs> yeah, like
0: that. Fine. Mark
1: McGuire, yeah. Sammy Sosa. My money's on them yeah. with a bat. He's gonna, he's gonna put me out there with a black bear with one of those tiny, like, yeah, the, the memorable a- bats that you got at the stadium
2: <laughs> <laughs> that I've already like put a crack in it.
1: <laughs> but I remember like, those bats They were great. They hurt. Yeah, kind of like solid. Yeah. When I played hockey, a big thing was like those tiny hockey sticks and you'd play like floor hockey with right. them. I remember going on like uh, tournament like trips and we'd play hockey in the hallway at the freaking hotel with those.
0: Like, but those bats,
1: like I remember one time
0: I got one of those little bats and the one day I didn't, might've been, I think it might've been the day that I kind of gave up on baseball. We show up. I remember it's the Orioles and the Indians. And it was Municipal Stadium, you know, back in the good days where you know you just sit up at the top and smoke weed, and you had the guy who played the the drums. The, out,
2: the outfield fence like changed depending on who they were playing, right?
0: And you could see where like all the markets were from the Browns game, and you know you peed in the trough. Yeah, to everybody. The best else, part that's the with all effect. the ice because back then, guess what? There was unity then. Everybody peed in the same trough. We're all the same. We all pee in this trough. It uh,
1: smelled so bad. It was so bad. But, I remember when I lost faith in the Indians when I went to the game as an adult that could drink and realized how much beer and hot dog <laughs> costs at the stadium and how long a baseball game actually is. Yeah. And you're like,
3: wow. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, I remember me and my dad, we show up. Number one, we had uh, it was the day after a football game because we had went the day before to see the Browns against the Broncos. And then where we were sitting, it's like, if you remember Mystical Stadium, we had those huge columns. So number one, I've missed this bat. Number two, I can barely see the game. The Indians weren't even that good back then. This is like late 80s. So I'm there. I'm trying to see. think who I was there to see because it was somebody for the Orioles. I
3: cannot
0: think of the the shortstop for the Orioles in the 80s. He had like the Iron Man. He's the Iron Man.
2: The only Orioles I remember is Cal Ripken Jr. That's it, Cal Ripken Jr. Is he a shortstop though? I thought he was a pitcher. I thought he was third base.
0: No, I'm pretty sure he was a shortstop. Either way, I was there to see Cal Ripken Jr., (laughs) Ask okay. the interwebs. Ooh, the interwebs. Well, you can correct me as we go. but So we've got the column. So now the column's is basically right here. No,
2: you are so right. He was a shortstop.
0: Like, so the column's like right in the middle of my face. I can still only see out of one eye, which I'm pretty sure is what like ruined my uh, vision.
2: Shortstop, third baseman, and an infielder. There so you know. we you were it all? all correct. I, I wasn't. What? I said pitcher. Okay, so <laughs> you, <probably laughs> <did it>. you, <laughs> pitch. you and I were correct, and we have... Audio recording of Bill admitting that he was wrong. <laughs> I first. finally have a recording of Bill admitting <laughs> he was wrong. I can't
0: wait, this, this episode may never come out because I'm going to hold it for ransom. <laughs> <laughs> don't, no, no, don't no. Want this, people to find out that you were wrong. This
2: episode has to. I'm okay out? with being wrong about sports. I don't. I don't care if it's about sports or not. Bill admitted he was wrong. That's so that's a, 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 wrong. A, a huge historical event right there. <laughs>
0: but I just remember I'm sitting there and. The Orioles score in the first inning. No one scores after that. Quite possibly. The worst day of my life. I got my, I got my glove, but of course, I'm not going to catch anything because if anything is going to come at me, it's probably going to hit that column and bounce back. I've got no bat. Gave up on us. The fan gave up on us. We're going to die
1: now. I've got no bat. <laughs>
0: Greta Thornburg turned off my fan. <laughs> I've got no bat. My dad's agitated because we're losing. I'm agitated because we're just sitting there. Like, we could have left at that point. I think I might have been, like, seven, like, seven, maybe six or seven. I have better things to do with my life than sit behind a column and watch half a game out of one eye like a pirate, with no bat in my hand, unable to catch any
1: type of fly ball. You remember when the Indians were really good and they were giving out those hologram baseball cards at Denny's? Yeah. I remember, like, I was really big and I was going to collect all of them. I never did. Because you had to go to Denny's to get them. Well, remember, at that point, Denny's was really big. Well, yeah, it was, you know, before Denny's became kind of... It well, was the place line. to go but at 2 a.m. It's still the place to go at 2 a.m. if you're hungry. If you can find one. Why? I never went there because I was hungry. I mean, I did.
0: I mean, I went there because you were there was drunk. to hang out with worked. <laughs> I went there because, you know, my wonderful wife worked there to hang out with her. Are because it was two in the morning, we had nowhere else to go. And uh, even though some of you don't know him, I also went there that one day that Jerry slammed his head on, on the table really hard to show me that he was tough and it made no sense to me. So that is also like a thing that happened. But no, like I went there, it was about a year ago, we went there, and it was like a staffing agency runs it. And there's like, yeah, they, they hire from like Minuteman Staffing, and there's like three people.
1: I think all those staffing agencies are like super bad. Like I don't. I have not been to Denny's since I quit drinking, so eight years.
2: I mean, that's that's a lot of their clientele.
1: Yeah. But with
0: that being said, yeah, staffing agencies today is the uh, I'm going to say is glorified slavery, and
1: it's, yeah, and it's nothing you, but bad. You go to work at these these places thinking that you'll get hired on, and they never hire you on. So then you bounce from place to place, you don't get benefits. You're, you're you're a part of your salary is going to the staffing agency for what? Because they were like, Hey, we'll just send you temporary employees for you know X amount of but you months. don't have to pay benefits. And, and we'll f- just keep bouncing them around.
0: But at the same
1: time, you know you're at the staffing agency, I'm guessing, for a reason. And you know, Because the, the employment rep that works at ODJFS will refer people to staffing agencies. She says that it's it's a good way to get into with some of these companies because that's how these companies are now hiring.
0: I mean, I guess, but I mean, it, like looking like looking at it as someone who's seen like a ton of people who, especially you know, after their for eight years or up getting out of the military and you're trying to just find a place as you're trying to, you know, get back to the way that it used to be. I mean, staffing agencies are great when you try when you're trying to do that, but then uh, eventually they exploit you. Oh okay. yeah. I mean, and you gotta look at it I look at it from a business perspective. I mean you gotta pay the staffing agency and you've got to pay the person.
1: But the staffing agencies just their payments coming from the person's pay. So if you're paying this person thirteen dollars They're getting 10 staffing agencies getting 13 or three so it's you're paying the person the same amount it's the staffing agency taking advantage of the the employee
0: i mean true but the nice thing about working for a staffing agency is i have to believe that you're in that spot in your life where you just don't give a damn so you know at least back when i would see people working for staffing agencies and coming into different places like they could gave two shits. Yeah. Like when I was working at when I was working at Greco, wasn't bad money. It was tough work, and he worked all night. But people come in from staffing agencies and they go to lunch and just never return.
1: <laughs> they made their little bit of money that they needed to, and
0: they're out. You know, unless like you know they actually just got sent home because there was a guy who came in. I'll never forget it. The guy looked like Jesus, and he has this backpack. And as he goes to open the backpack, the backpack falls open, and you just see beers, (laughs) beers upon beers upon beers. And we were wondering, because like he's drinking. like we know he was drinking stuff. I'm thinking it's an energy drink. Now he's been in there making cars
2: for children,
1: (laughs) in beer.
2: Drunk Jesus.
1: But I think staffing agencies, in part, are uh, a product of both corporate greed, but also a lack of a work ethic being taught to today's youth. Corporate greed's always gonna be an issue. It's always gonna be something you're gonna have to fight against. But we're not teaching the next generation that you need to have a work ethic. You know, it's, you know, you have people being like, well, I just, I'm gonna show up to work late today. What do you mean you're gonna show up to work late? Like, do you have a doctor's appointment? (laughs) Is there some other reason that you can't be to work on time?
0: You know that, that they can use. Don't get me wrong. We're all We're on the same generation. Of you get up and you go. We, re- I'm, at, re- I'm at
2: work at least, at least fifteen minutes early, if not half hour, thirty five minutes early, almost every day. Well, you have
0: like you have to be. I'm at work at least an hour early because still in my mind, if I show up ten minutes early, my drill instructor will come out of nowhere and clothesline
2: me. Yeah, <laughs> at work early. Granted. I I don't stay in the office late, unless I absolutely have to, but I'm there early. I'll work through lunch. I get home. I have veterans that contact me at home. I have veterans that contact me while I'm on vacation, that I will stop and take time out of my personal time to assist them. I have veterans who contact me on the weekend, whether it's through Facebook, Instagram. Somehow they find my, my phone number. Another veteran gives it to them. They reach out and... You know, you never know what their their state of mind is at the time. So it's one of those, like, yeah, I could ignore it and just wait till Monday. Or I can just answer it now, and it could alter whatever path they could be going down. Now, most of the time, it's just a simple question of, hey, what's this or that? It's not a big deal. But sometimes it is a veteran that needs some sort of other help, and they need it right now.
1: Yeah. But, no, I mean, I'm all about accommodating a disability especially, you know, in the early origins of it. Um, But a disability is only going to stay at the same level of disabling unless you work at it. I mean, if we're going to talk about mental health, you know, there's some things that can't be overcome. If you're schizophrenic, you're fucking schizophrenic, okay? We can give you medication, but you're still going to be schizophrenic. But for something like anxiety, okay, you can have crippling anxiety, especially when it first comes on, it's going to be crippling. And that might affect your ability to go to work on time. But you need to work on that. You need to overcome it. Our grandfather's generation didn't get to not go to work because of anxiety. And granted, they built a nation to which now you can address your disability. But for our nation to continue on the right path, you're eventually going to have to get up and go to fucking work. You know, Overcome your disability. Not overcome it, but learn to work within it. Okay. There are some people that are never going to be able to, who will always need to be going to treatment and just can't work. And that's fine. But that's not going to be everyone. And we need to have a culture where you're going to make that effort. I would rather see you lose every job you have because you're trying and then eventually go on disability than to just give up out the gate. You know, I dealt with this one uh, dependent of a veteran. And her mom had told her, and I'm pretty sure it's a Munchausen syndrome thing, where, like, her mom was making her sick. Her mom had told her her whole life that she's just, you're disabled. You're disabled. You're disabled. And now she's 18, 19, and she's like, I'm disabled. I'm like, what do you mean you're disabled? Have you ever tried to work? Have you ever tried to, like, to do anything? Or are you just buying into what your mother told you? Um, and that's sad.
0: But I'm glad because after a little bit of derailing, we did get back on track. So uh, just in case anyone's been listening to us babble for the last couple minutes, I am here with Bill Hyde in my head, and they work over at the Lake County VA, and they We don't work here. at the
2: VA. It's, it's not the VA. VA <laughs> it's not Lake County Veterans Service <laughs> Commission. Right.
0: Better than the VA. They're out here doing the things that maybe the VA should.
1: To help serve those who serve us. Um, we we have a job to help navigate the bureaucracy of the VA, as is how the VA may put it. Um but that bureaucracy leads to frustrations, but it also leads to veterans getting screwed over for the almighty dollar, you know. So a lot of the times the VA is our adversary. We will work with the VA, we have a relationship with the VA, but a lot of times you end up having to argue with them to do the right thing.
0: Right. And another reason that I want to have you guys on was because of course today we are recording on September 11th and for everybody in this room, it's a day that, that changed your life yeah. and everyone here has served and right now, like I said, you are all, you both are trying to help to serve those who served us and, and do right by them. And I think that on that 20 years, you know, it's, e- it's easy every, every week of September 11th to go, oh, well, we have to do this and this for veterans or every Veterans Day or every Memorial Day. But for you, you get to see it every single day because, you know, for them, it's not three times a year. Yeah. You know, it's 365 days a year that they are a veteran, that they need help, that they need assistance, that they were promised, and sometimes that they don't
1: get. What used to be shocking to me was that September 11th isn't a national holiday. But then when I think back, neither is December 7th. Um, And I don't know if it should be a holiday. I think that going out and living your life on that day is kind of like the biggest fuck you you can give to those terrorists. So making it a national holiday where people get together and have a barbecue and it just becomes another Memorial Day where people don't actually realize what it's about, I think kind of makes it mean more. And maybe that's just me thinking out loud. Um, but it, September 11th is, is, a, is, a, is a crazy day, um, but I think that September 11th really shouldn't so much be focused on the military. You know, it did launch a 20-year war. It did launch the war in Iraq. You know, this is the starting point of the war on terrorism, but I think that the people that really sacrificed on September 11th were firefighters, EMTs, police officers that ran into that building. Now, there was the Pentagon. Military people did die on September 11th, but um, we really... Should remember the sacrifice that was made by the people that maybe didn't sign up to lose their life, right? I mean, and and the way I was gonna go
0: with this is that you know, for for me and you, you know, we left day after Christmas two thousand. Yeah, I'll never forget that day. And I know everybody's got a story. For me, September uh, Monday, September eleventh was my first day at my duty station. They sent me to go get a physical. And then, you know, of course, they did all of the, the teasing. Like, oh, you got to get your pap smeared. You got to do all this. And, you know, and I I walked in to my duty station, and it was dead calm and quiet. Everybody is in the room that we had for whoever was keeping guard that night. And literally, as I, I walked in, and I heard an audible gasp, and I kind of run over there to see what's going on, and it's right as the second plane hits. And... Like, as it, it may sound funny, it may, it's not exactly funny, but like, in my mind, you know, I think about, you know, we signed up because we're like, okay, we'll do this for four years because we're not doing anything, so we might as well serve the country and do something right. At the same time, I'm thinking, I was kind of here for the free college. <laughs> like, 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 if you would have told me, you know, after like all these years, like, this is what was gonna happen, you know, I don't know if I would have changed anything, but I am like, wow, and now. There are a bunch of people like hugging and, and crying and wondering, like, are we going to war? Like my mother immediately calls me and she's like, Are you going to war? And I'm like, I have no idea. I also don't make those decisions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so I mean, I guess my question would be, so Mike, what was it? Where were you on that day? Because that's our that's our JFK. That, you know, that that's, uh, I guess you could say the space show, Columbia, possibly. I mean, we kind of did watch it on TV. But, in school. Yeah, but I mean, I don't remember exactly what I was doing at that age, but like that was our big
2: event. So I was 15. Uh, I was supposed to be at Riverside High School. Uh, I was actually at Arabica Coffee House on the Square in Painesville, which is stone throw from where I work now. Um, it was actually right where I was at this morning for the 20 year anniversary of 9-11, getting a cup of coffee and the first plane hit. And then I just sat there until after the second plane hit and then decided I probably should get to school at some point. And when I got there, everybody at the school was just freaking out. They were trying to make everything as normal as possible. And then by the time I got to my fourth period class, which was Spanish, I wanted to Spanish class. I did everything I could to avoid actually learning Spanish. I got convinced her to let us finger paint. I convinced her to let me, like... <laughs> anything, anything but anything but Spanish. Podcast. Yeah. She she <laughs> let me, like, cook tacos in the class. Well, um, that's kind of Spanish. It, it was, yeah. but, like, I, I actually got to, like, cook real food in the class. Um, that day, when Did like, they have stuff to cook with? Like, no, no, no. I brought it all in. Like, she brought in the, the griddle, but I brought in everything else to cook. Um, but that day, I looked at it, and I was like, whatever you do, just actually teach us. Because at that point, like everything had just been going on and on and on. It was like, I, we need something to take our mind off, it. Of because it was just, that day will forever be burned into my mind. And that was a day that I changed from going
1: for a marine biology degree to joining the military. So that's significant because, like, me and DeLorean were already enlisted. So I think that your experience or your reasons for joining are far, few and far between what I, you know, my my reasons or, or whatnot for joining. When I think back, you know, I never thought we would go to war. I joined up to be in the infantry because I thought, you know, go roll around in mud and shoot guns. Like, why don't I don't even fucking want to do that. Like, that's awesome. Um, so there's something to be said for the post nine 11 people that signed up and then decided to, to serve their country. You know, that is one of the amazing things. You know, we fought the America's longest war with an all volunteer military. Um, but with the same thing in the same vein, I don't think that the reason, well, I do think the reason that the war was 20 years long was because the American people didn't feel the war they didn't feel an investment that they were paying a price for that it was one percent of the population goes away and yeah the veterans come back and you might know a veteran you might see a veteran with PTSD or, or, or something like that but you're not you're not sending off your brother you know only one percent of the population goes away to war um so yeah I mean it's it's both amazing, but it's also something that we, we maybe should think about next time we decide to get into an armed conflict. Absolutely. And I'm not saying let's do a draft, um, but I think that the American people not feeling an investment in this war, you know, hurt us. Well, before I say what I'm going to say, I'll ask
0: you about your September 11th story bill
1: uh, so I was uh, I was stationed in Chesapeake Virginia uh, it was it was uh, like a week after Labor Day and before we went home on Labor Day we got our duty assignments and I was yeah. supposed to go to Iceland and I did not want to go to Iceland <laughs> because I grew up in Cleveland and I know what snow is like <laughs> <laughs> so I'd never been to the desert Iceland's pretty green though yeah, but I didn't it's know Greenland. That. That's all like white. I was 18, 19 I was nineteen. Um, I didn't know that. I uh, I remember one of the guys I started with, or was in school with at the time. He wanted to go to Iceland, and he was supposed to go to Bahrain, which is in the Middle East, if you don't know. And uh, I traded with him. So here's me. September 11th happens. I have orders to the Middle East, um, but I thought it was a joke. You know, a big thing in the military then was they would always tell you because you didn't have. 24-hour news cycles. No one had a cell phone in their pocket. Right. The higher-ups would pull jokes on you and tell you, we're going to war with China, or we just got attacked you know, from India or something. It, it was it happened all the time at boot camp. So I was out on a range. We were shooting shotguns that day. And Corporal Smuckatelli comes down from the, the tower, and he's like, a plane just hit the World Trade Center. I'm like, there is no way that happened. You know, a, a plane just – and I'm thinking Cessna. You yeah. I'm like, that, that just can't happen. You know, it's a big-ass building. So, then they come down a little bit later, and they're like, a second plane hit the, the tower, you know, the World Trade Center. I'm like, you know, I really don't believe you. Like, get some more material. And then when he came down and said that a plane had hit the Pentagon, I was like, that, seriously, that can't be true. But then when Staff Sergeant called us all together, and the first thing he asked is if anyone had family in DC or New York, I was like, holy shit, like this is not a joke. Uh and he tells us everything and then that we're under attack by terrorists. Um and we get back to the barracks and everyone runs to the phones. You know, and I remember calling home my mom's just crying. She's like you're gonna die. And I'm like, I'm not gonna die. I'm in Virginia. <laughs> like uh for a month I carried a loaded weapon secured the base, you know, and on patrols, I was like, this is surreal, you know, that I'm in the Middle East, even more surreal, it's in your mind, we're under attack, someone's going to attack us, and I think that my experience over there would have been completely different had that not been there. Um, Yeah, September 11th, it really, it molded my experience in the Middle East, you know, I don't think that had September 11th not happened, I think it would have had a far different experience in Boston. And Bahrain's an ally, but I was very weary of the people, you know, uh, very weary of letting my guard down and stuff. Not that I didn't have fun while I was there. I would go back to Bahrain tomorrow. It's a great country. But yeah, uh, what sticks in my mind about September 11th is September 11th, 2002, because that day I was in Bahrain, I performed colors. Uh, US military base colors is when you raise and lower the flag for people listening um, in full battle rattle <laughs> loaded M16 yeah. because we thought we were going to be attacked, you know, it, that changed like that impacted me too. Like, this is how we honor people honor the flag. And I'm sitting here ready for war. So
0: yeah, I think that the other thing that, that always gets me and it, it goes back to you saying whether or not we should celebrate September 11th is, you know, and we've had this conversation, I'm not going to talk about what place it is, but certain places exploiting veterans. Yes. And if there's anything that has bothered me, like looking back, it is the exploitation of veterans over like the last 20 years. I don't think that we pay attention you know like i mean even with vietnam veterans like my uncle was a vietnam veteran but when i was i was younger i didn't understand and people would always say things oh you know, we gotta help these guys out but of course no one's helping them and then to see what you guys do and like and how tough it is and to hear the stories from you about how you know you're, you're fighting to get these people what they need and then i go back and i look and i'm like yeah you had the the country singers with all of their, uh, with all their songs, and you know a bunch of people flying flags. But at the same time, when you guys would come back, you know, it's like thank you for your service, and then you know that was it. Like that was, you know, that was your, everything. Uh, I, I help the veterans, thank them for a service. You know, like not like hey, you know, what can we do to help you? Like now that you're back, than that, like I didn't have to do that.
1: So acclimate yeah.
0: So you're like, yeah, your re that, you know, that has to be tough. And then I look back at uh, a couple of weeks ago, I helped out at a place called Serving America's Veterans. Really awesome place. And one of the girls who works with me, her husband, he's been almost, I guess, you could say like a hermit. And he's, ever since he came back from there, he's had a real, like a real big, he's a real trouble to reacclimating, getting used to people again and things like that. And I looked at some of the services they have like a a guitar group, you know, sessions for people who may have like PTSD or any other type of of problem coming back. And I'm like, you know, this is amazing. Where was this
1: 10-15 years ago? Where was it 40-50 years ago? Absolutely. You know, if anything about the culture of exploiting veterans, um, if there's anything that that did, that's good is it finally acknowledged the Vietnam veterans. It finally gave them that welcome home, that thank you for your service that they didn't get when they came home because of the culture of the, of the world or of the country. Um, so, whereas I hate you know, the whole free meal on Veterans Day or someone even thanking me for my service, and I'm notorious for it because I forget that I wear veteran hats. So someone will come up and say thank you for your service, and I'm wondering if they're following me. (laughs) um, But I'll endure all of that. I'll excuse the exploitation of it for for financial gain by a corporation that snaps something on their packaging. If it means that a Vietnam veteran gets told thank you, gets told, you know, you serve this country, because they did have a draft some of them didn't want to go and the draftees that went didn't run to canada didn't dodge the draft on a bullshit medical waiver or i'm gonna go to college they served their country and they got shit on when they came home and they fought and they fought and fought and fought and a lot of the benefits and a lot of the things that are available for our generation are directly because of them. They didn't exist before those guys. So, yes, veterans get exploited. You know, you go to a place like Mission Barbecue, and it's got a bunch of veteran stuff all over the wall. And a company like Mission Barbecue, I do think that they really care about veterans. They do donate money and all of that stuff. But at the same time, are they doing that face value the question could be asked yeah motive
0: can always be questioned but that's my question would be mike coming back reacclimating
2: to everything what was it like for you shit show (laughs) (laughs) you know when i went to fallujah in 05 we were letting people back into the city we were doing all the retinal scans fingerprints and everything Few skirmishes here and there, more of a police action, not really that bad. A few hairy moments, no big deal. Ramadi on the following deployment in uh, 06, that was that was what I refer to as the fun deployment. Um, you know, everything that us grunts get trained to do, that's where we implemented it all. Also, when you give grunts, like 0311s, basic riflemen, C4, and deck cord, um, we're not quite sure what the proper amounts of each of those are, so we tend to go a little overboard when we're trying to, you know, get rid of things like palm trees. Um, it's a lot of fun. But, uh, you know, one of the things that the military, especially the Marine Corps, does really well is they teach you how to do your job. Now, in the infantry, they teach you how to shoot, move, and communicate. Shooting, moving, and communicate also means destroying and doing whatever means necessary to take the objective. What the Marine Corps is very, very horrible at doing is teaching you how to deal with all of the repercussions of that. You know, while we're doing everything, your mind's constantly going. It's constantly. You don't have time to process anything. You don't have time to think about what's going on. You come home and you've gone from, you know, constantly moving 1,000 miles an hour. Now everything is moving at 5 miles an hour. Such a slow pace when you come home. You don't have to be here and be there and just you know, worry about all your boots getting where they need to go and everything turned in. You're just like, oh, I have to get up and go to work and do this mind-numbing job of taking this part and putting it in this part and moving it along. So it allows
1: all of those things to start creeping back up. Plus what's normal in the military, like an excuse, is yes, drastic behavior in normal life. Yeah.
2: Um, you know, so it started screwing with me a little bit. You know, I tried shutting certain emotions off and what I ended up doing was shutting all emotions off. Um, I turned into a bit of a hermit, not completely, but a little bit. Um, But I just turned into like this emotionless rock. Didn't ever let anything bother me. Um, But it ended up pretty much causing my divorce. Um, Her and I are better friends now than we were then with the issues, but uh, it caused a lot of issues for a lot of years. Um, I had a Vietnam Marine who kind of took me under his wing and was like, Hey, we're going to get you out of the house. We're going to get you doing things. You know, he took me out to events that they were doing with this foundation. He got me introduced to other people that I hang out with. He's the reason that I have the motorcycle that I have now, um, of why I purchased that particular model. Um, you know, he got me back out and living life again, introduced me to the right people who taught me the right things I needed to start you know, reacclimating back to normal life. And now with what we do at work, that's what we try and help people with. If we can get them the benefits that they're supposed to have and make their life a little bit easier, it's one less thing that they have to worry about. Take away the things they have to worry about. It makes life a little bit easier so they can start focusing on what they need to, to reintegrate back in.
1: And your homecoming is both (coughs) a, uh, an example of something good happening and something bad happening. So you came home and a service officer got in touch with you and filed a claim. And you didn't know any better at the time at the VA. You totally fucked your claim. Oh totally. Yeah. <laughs> it took what 10 years and you you personally <laughs> having to get involved as a service officer to know how to like properly adjudicate your claim. I filed my original claim
2: and I got home in June of 2008 he filed it right in June of 08 when I came home, uh, rated in January of 09. My claim didn't get looked at again until 20, sometime in 2015. Um, and when I started, we, Bill and I both started looking at it at that point. We we're like, wow, so much of this was just wrong.
1: Half-assed, yeah. Um, but it's, it's what I'm saying is it's, it's a story for success because someone engaged you when you came home. Yes. So at the start of the Iraq war, at least, no one knew what the fuck to do with us. You know, we got discharged, and I remember coming home and feeling so alone because there wasn't another veteran for me to talk to to relate to what I had just experienced. And it took me from 2004 when I got discharged to 2011 to seek treatment, to get, to, to file for benefits for injuries that I've been suffering for years from. Um, and that is somewhere I think that we've actually been improving with Veterans Help is actually engaging veterans like, okay, you need to be filing a claim. And that to me is what's important about what we do is engaging that veteran that's first getting out and feeling lost. Because I don't care if you were a cook. Or if you were a Green Beret, military culture is different than civilian culture. There is a culture shock. It may be different for a cook than for a Green Beret, and it damn well should be. But But
2: the structured military life versus the utter chaos and no structure of civilian life, it's two different things. I mean, we all know it, but a lot of other people out there don't know the difference of you get up, you fall out, you get in formation,
1: you will be here at this time. These are the repercussions if you are not here at this time. Like, but I think that they teach those repercussions because, and, and this is where I've had to. I've always, I used to work at a restaurant, and I get so fucking mad when someone would like make a steak the wrong. You know, you know, it, this wasn't supposed to be well done or something, and and it's because in the military, if you fuck up, people die. Okay, <laughs> you might not be directly killing someone, but someone could die from your mistake. Not the same stakes.
2: <laughs> I what happens when you turn your paper in late? Like, somebody dies. No, yeah. what is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, it's it's completely different, you know. And a lot of things are different now versus when they were when we came home. You know, when I came home in '08, you know, there were seven years worth. It was seven years worth of war between Afghanistan and Iraq, almost. Of better people who had been overseas, that could have gotten out. And the Vietnam veterans who were in VA treatment that had swept in and started pulling veterans, like, into them going, hey, look,
1: I know how you feel. And I think there was also an influx of Vietnam veterans who hadn't been seeking treatment up until that point. That did. We're like, this war is bringing back all this other stuff. And now they're going out and getting that treatment. And then they were far more involved because they remembered what it was like.
2: And I, and that's And that's something that, you know... I've noticed with what we do with some of the veterans that we've worked with, you know, having the experiences that I've had, it's, it's helped me be able to get certain veterans to actually file for benefits or go out and get treatment because I've been able to talk to the veteran and be like, Hey, look, man, I know what you're feeling. Like, I I know exactly what this is and relate something from my experience to them. And it, it clicks. You know, we have that same emotional bond. We see things on the same level. And then we're able to help them move down the right path. Unlike the VA where it's, not that the VA is wrong, but the VA is very structured and they're very limited in what they can do. They're they're a federal entity. They have their policies and procedures in place of what they can and can't do. We can kind of, we're very liberal in how we can address things. We don't have a, you have to do it this way. We can approach things however we want. So we can come at veterans whatever way we need to based on how they're presenting to get them down the road we need them to go. So by being able to relate to them in different ways, it's helped us far more than it has in the past because we're able to reconnect with them. You know, these guys have sat around for 40 plus years and had nobody that they've been able to connect with that felt the same way they did. And now they've got an entire generation that has got twenty years worth of veterans built up that they can reconnect with. And it's it's made a it's made a huge difference. I mean, we've pulled veterans out that are World War II veterans that had never filed, Korean War veterans that had never filed.
1: That it was a different culture then too though.
2: It was. But you know, our experiences in being able to talk with them have been like, hey, let's let's do this. Like this is the time now. Like yeah. should have done it fifty years ago, but let's do it now.
0: I think, like Bill said, like back when, because I know my my grandfather served in World War Two, and you know when he came back, like it was never like we knew it happened. We never talked about it. But I think that you know that going forward did kind of shape the way I guess you'd call it toxic masculinity, where it was like you know you dealt with it, you didn't talk about it. It was something that you know you had sucked to suck it up and moved yeah, on. and you suck it up and move on, and then you know you get to to our age, and you know and everything is 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 suck it up and move on. I don't remember like like there are times where that and i think it, it posed over to us and then it just kind of stayed with us but i can remember something that would move on and like my grandmother's like funeral and my dad's like i'm crying and my dad looks at me and he's like crying I will bring it would bring you back yes. <laughs> and, you're,
3: and you're like and you're, your and tears aren't
0: natural yeah, you're, yeah <laughs> you're like you got you got nothing but then like you guys said like you both come back from that and it and
1: there's still that kind of suck it up and move on. There was just something. There's that definitely do. that in the military. At yeah. least when I was in, there's a
2: time and a place for suck it up and move on. Like the, 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 I still wholeheartedly believe that there is a time and a place for suck it up and move on. No, oh, I'm a. And I, then later on, you can process it, but I acknowledge you I have need to have of the time to process it, and that's that's the thing that the military is doing a far better job of now than when we were in. When we were in, it was. Oh, you're you're an alcoholic, you're getting in trouble because you're drinking. All right, here's an NJP, now you're booted out of the military because you're an alcoholic.
0: Or, I don't know if you guys know this, the place they would send you for alcohol rehab. SARP. Yeah. It was right by the beach. And right on the beach where they did it was a bar. <laughs>
2: so everyone who went
0: there would leave and, and they'd go to go bar. out and then go to the bar.
2: Yeah, so they used to kick you out for drinking then, but now like they look at it and go, All right, you're drinking. Is there a reason why you are drinking so much? Right. Okay, let's send you to mental health evaluation before they get out. It goes into their medical records. The veteran has been evaluated for PTSD and ATBI. They have tested negative for each of these.
1: Those weren't there in 2008 when I got out. But we had – I remember clearly being told you're either hurt or you're injured. Suck it up and continue the fight. And that is a mentality that, A, you need in war, okay? You can fight in a lot of cases – get up and 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 fight but it also leads to when I'm back stateside not going to medical because something's wrong and I was guilty of it as much as everyone looking down on the guys that sought help right. looking down da- I mean there were guys that were broke dicks that were sick yes. bay all the time yes maybe something was seriously wrong I don't know but there were the guys that were struggling but you could tell and I remember being like, "Suck it up, be a man. You're a Marine. Go out there and fucking you know you get up and, right. and do your job." And I, you know, knowing now what I know, like that wasn't really a healthy attitude to have. But in two thousand three, two thousand four, no one addressed PTSD as being real, right, in the military. And
0: I think that that is, I mean, because like I said. I didn't have to go into war like you. For anybody who knows what it is, I was a pogue, person other than grunt. But even with that, uh, even with that, the way that the military is structured, and then like the place where I came from, where I was like, yeah, well, this is this, and no one really talks about your feelings. Then you have four more of that, but it's on a whole other level. <laughs> it's on a whole other level. Like you just like so. Then you come out, and like you say, you're almost emotionless, like even there you know no one really even said like you know good job proud of you guys and then you know for me with my dad it was like i never heard of that i did not hear my dad say he was proud of me until
1: like 35 and i think he did because i took him out for dinner on my birthday and he was just happy that i paid for it <laughs> like, but I- if, if you needed that type of validation in the military you got accused of like seeking awards of right. uh, being a metal chaser and if you
2: like and generally if you heard your your higher-ups go Good job guys. Way to go. Like keep it up. You you generally like, okay, what is a, something bad is about to happen. Right. Like they are about to give us the big green weenie with no lube and no hey, reach around. Right. Like we, we are not getting a pizza party at the end of this. Like yeah. what is up? Yeah.
3: Like, oh well
0: good now, you guys did such a an awesome job. Hey, just 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 line Eight, up more for this, Eight, Eight more yeah, miles. Eight more miles. this ten Indian <laughs> line. Yeah. What? <laughs> we did a good job. Compliments
2: generally job. preceded something bad.
0: <laughs> but like, I the CEO would you.
1: come out and tell you good job. He'd walk away and gunny rip into
0: you. Yeah, like so. I look at it as you know, when you when you get out, and you have those things. It's like after never having that validation, I know for a while, like looking at myself, like I was just depressed, like just within myself. it took a long time for me to like kind of just like figure it out. Like you know, this is what it was. And I never really stopped to talk to anybody, I never seek therapy, but I realized, you know, there were times where like, I was super happy and there were times where I was sad for no apparent reason. And before I would
3: go, we'd just get over it. And mm-hmm. then you're like, okay, this is, this is what this is. But I also know that like, it it did, it
0: affected uh, my relationship, it affected my relationship with my wife and my kids and like, you know. At points, there were times where I was like, it, hey, good job. I'm proud of you. But then in my mind, because of that structure, it was like, well, this is what you're supposed to be doing anyway. Like, why? <laughs> what <laughs> are supposed, supposed to be do it doing it? anyway? Like, oh, look, I got an A on this test. Congratulations. You did what you were supposed to do. I went to <laughs> work Do, you, today, want a, do a old, you want a cookie? And they're like, yeah. yeah. I'm like, And I'm like, you know, fuck this cookie. <laughs> and fuck cook you. It, and go away. And just it, do what you want to do. Now you want to get rewarded for it. And then you look back and you're like
2: pageant and yeah, it's weird like you know you, you didn't do anything to seek awards you didn't do anything to seek recognition and then when somebody's like oh hey great job you're like oh, what like
3: what did i do you, wrong you don't
2: you don't know how to react to it like i i hate when people are like hey great job you did really good with that I'm Like, why are you
1: compl-? i hate it because i can see everywhere that i didn't do good
2: Yes, right. and it's like, <laughs> like
1: I'm super yeah. critical of myself. No,
2: you, you see thing. this, but you didn't see all of this. <laughs> right, and I think
0: that that is, that is another one of those things where it's like, that is definitely I'm sure you're like you're so critical of yourself and somebody's like, oh you did an awesome job on this like PowerPoint presentation really? you're like really because the transition right here one one minute and one second
2: over, it could have been better I should have chose diamonds instead of a, <laughs> instead of a blank screen into a regular screen I mean, no, you' not like in, in the workplace and stuff like that like you know your, your bosses and stuff like that should have that positive reinforcement for their employees like when they do do great things do do great things. When your employees do great things like there should be that you should remind them that they are doing a great job because when you don't have that kind of positive reinforcement it becomes that mind numbing thing where they're just doing the same thing over again. they're like why am i doing this and then they begin to wonder like was well, this what i really want to do so you, you have to have that kind of positive reinforcement in the workplace definitely when it comes to your kids well yeah because well they're, they're being kids. a bad dad don't yeah. <laughs> I know, <right>? come <laughs> on I like, what the hell like you know and
0: luckily you know um
2: you've got the Falcon nine. as Captain America as your profile picture. You right. should probably like I compliment evolve, your
0: kid. I had to evolve into
2: You that. should
1: compliment your kids a little more.
0: Before that my profile picture would have been like Red Foreman. No. <laughs>
1: Sam, <laughs> Sam <laughs> Wilson didn't <laughs> start as Captain America. He earned that title.
0: Right. You know, and, and that like like I said, it would have been Red Foreman. And we're like, yeah, suck it up, Eric. Just I mean congratulations, I do, Eric. I do, do, do like Red
2: Foreman.
0: Eric. He's but like to me. I loved Red Forman. Then I had to realize that, like Red Forman, is toxic masculinity. And like, hey, it's okay to like hug your kids, tell them good job, like be there for them, and you, you work into that. But
2: man. Red made those hugs and compliments that much more special because they were
1: rare, right? And
2: that's where like it's weird.
1: I think that if there's if there's one TV dad that every man should aspire to be, Al Bundy. It's, no, it's the dad <sighs> from Family Matters. Oh yeah, definitely, yeah,
0: definitely. Yeah, Carl Winslow is, yeah. Is, is, is the guy.
1: Because then you can also imagine yourself As a at cop Nakatomi at Palace. <laughs> Nakatomi, Nakatomi Plaza. <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, I mean... At the Christmas just, <laughs> party. Just watching Hans <laughs> Gruber fall from the plaza. If you think back to all the sitcoms when we were kids, the dad was a slapstick kind of parody of what a real good father should be, except
3: yeah. him.
0: Yeah, I bet. I feel like... And this is—I know—once again, we're off—we're off the rails. But I feel like it evolved into the point where, like, you went from—and I know bringing him up is going to, like, but you went from doting dad like Bill Cosby, not not, <laughs> not raping comedian Bill Cosby, but doting yes. dad Bill Cosby. But do we on the Cosby do we show. know that
2: he wasn't like drugging and raping back then? <laughs> no, 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 he, he totally was. was back then. That's, no, that's but, most but, of the you know, right? we were
0: unaware of it. So back when we were unaware, he was just the doting dad who wanted Theo to learn that, hey, if you're gonna, you know, live in my house, this is
2: how you really do it.
0: Yeah, yeah. but like, bef- no, before we knew the like aftertaste, he was like, this, hey, this is how you no mix bad. the drinks yeah, to so where they don't you put see the powder. Jello pudding pops and you touch the ladies and they're gonna touch the ladies because the ladies are gonna be sleeping. You can do what you want. And you got the jello pudding pops and everything's great. And, but then it was Bill talking to Malcolm Jamal Warner. We're talking about. Mr. Cosby talking to Theo, where he was like, you know, doting dad, where his, you know, he's a, he's a doctor, his wife's a psychiatrist. But
1: it was so unrealistic, like, my house wasn't a doctor, my house was a working class person. I
0: I think, yes, unrealistic, but I mean, and this is, this is me looking at at it from a culture point, was up until then, you, as an African American, you really didn't have any, like, really. Anything to aspire to because before him, like you had the dad from Good Times, who was like hardworking, but also like there were several times where like he just wanted to beat up JJ Walker.
3: You had the Jeffersons, but like, he was him, kind he had,
0: of a... and you had him who was just uh, uh, for me George Jefferson was just like he was a he was a racist, he was an angry black racist, and then like he was just trying to throw the fact that he was successful in spite of white people in their face. So like, it was doing the wrong, it was funny. It was funny. And For the it, times, it was definitely yeah, funny. It was, yeah, it was definitely funny. But like, Bill Cosby was like, oh, look, you could be a doctor, right? And, and a good dad. And before that, like, you got those guys where if you turn on TV, what are you? Like, you got a guy dressed up as a pimp calling everybody a jive turkey. You know, that that was like, oh, pimp, jive turkey. That's what I got.
3: And don't get me wrong. Not all of it was
0: bad. Some of those pimp suits were pretty nice. But, you know, it, not everyone can be a, a, an ebony spewing pimp. Uh, some people have it, some people don't, and we but, shouldn't inspire to be. You know, listen, I'm not gonna stop anybody from being whatever they want. JJ I, Walker is doing like Medicare commercials now. I mean, that's where he's involved.
3: That's right. Like every retired
0: athlete does, like a testosterone supplement commercial. Listen, he could have went the way of Todd Bridges. I don't know who that is. That's the so. older brother on Different Strokes, the one who ended up like getting in like addicted to stuff really bad, and then the the older sister who became a porn star and then. OD.
2: It could have went the way of the red Power Ranger, wasn't it the red one? was it the red? I thought it was the. I think it was the red one. It was the red, the red one. one. You're colorblind, so you don't know which one it was. <laughs> Didn't one of them become a murderer? Yeah, I think it was the red no, one.
0: No, the red. No, the original. I think the red, red, red one was ranger the one
2: that spy, stabbed the dude with.
0: I think it was the second red ranger. Was the guy who stabbed somebody? Because the the original one, he still hangs out with the black ranger, and that's basically all of
1: his Instagram posts. Like okay, these two so it was out. it was the second red one that like. His roommate is who he stands. Right. Have yeah. you ever seen that uh, comedy sketch about how Zordon's black or Zordon's racist? Yes. You will be the Yellow Ranger. Why am I yellow? Because <laughs> I'm Asian.
2: Why do I gotta be Mister Pink?
0: Like, but no, I mean that. Uh, don't get me wrong. The red, the original the red, red Ranger went through his own. The original of, like, Pink Ranger of like mental, yes. like he had, <laughs> he had some mental struggles because I mean if you if you look at it from my perspective, that dude was he thought everything was going well. He was building. Up. A great uh, rapport with Kimberly. It looked like they were going to be together. Here comes the Green Ranger. Here comes David, and he can do all the cool kicks. And not to mention, there is an episode, one of my favorite ones. You know, you got a guy, it's Green Ranger. It's he like, got the dragon. dragon. Yeah. yeah, he got the drag. He got his own sword. I mean, it's like, you know, you pull up to a guy, and you're in your, your car. You're feeling good. He pulls up in like a Maserati, and he takes your girlfriend. And then... You're in your rental car. Yeah, and you're in a Maserati with all five of your friends because all five of your friends bought this car. So it's everybody's car. And not to mention, in the end, calling a five-person car, that time that David, as the Green Ranger, jumped into that Maserati, beat the crap out of all the Power Rangers, tossed them out of their own Zord, and then jumped down and then gave them the business again on the ground. Like, And then she just, I mean, in a he literally slaps Trini across the face in that episode when he breaks into the Zord. She's the first one, and if you go back and watch, he just slaps her. And he backhands Kimberly, but somehow, magically, Kimberly falls in love with him. Well, he did
1: get get that snazzy white uniform, too, though. The dragon theme? Or not, uh, tiger theme.
0: Yeah, And then, exactly, and then, finally, he joins the group. But everybody knows he's the strongest. He's already got his own Zord. He's got a cool flute, so he can al- he can already play an instrument. He does all the cool moves, and then guess what? While you're all stuck doing the same thing, now Zordon's upgraded him to an all white costume, so he looks super super nice. And, you, need and it. you know, and he's got a tiger now, and everything's cool.
3: Plus, and, his you know,
1: outfits always had the soldier shoulder, shoulder pauldrons, right? And, uh, and he's
0: got shoulder pads. Yeah. You're taking hits to the shoulder. You're taking a beating.
2: Like they hit him on the shoulder, not so bad. Gets him with a really cool spin. And in the nineties, it was the whole like long haired ponytail thing for the dudes. So right. he actually had hair. Yeah. yeah.
0: And he had the long haired ponytail. What did Jason have? Like crew cut at best.
1: He, he, looked, he-, he looked like a generic football player,
0: right? Which is what he's supposed to look like. It and then you, you got ball. this dude, and now you're just the Red Ranger. Twenty years later, people know who you are, but every time that you talk to somebody, you know that Tommy's coming up. Like man, when you were when you were when you got for fighting, like did you ever think that you know you could actually beat him? And you gotta say no. You gotta say no. Cause the guy who plays the Green Ranger is an absolute badass. I mean, he doesn't, but like, he did have still does. MMA career, but he had a pretty good one. And like, I mean, you look at him now, like he's covered in tattoos, like he looks like the dude you don't want to see, like in a back alley. <laughs>
1: he's he still has done some like online videos as a Power Ranger, right? Yeah.
0: But now you're just the Red Ranger.
1: No, no, I'm I mean, talking about
0: Tommy. Yeah, Tommy's Tommy's great. Tommy's still making money. They put Tommy in like seven other Power Rangers series. I've seen the Red Ranger after the original maybe like once or twice. Like, hey, you know, are they are? I think that Power Rangers movie that they had. He was like in there for like a split second. It was him and Kimberly eating, like having like it was. Yeah, I think it was him and Kimberly at that point where they're fighting Rita Repulsa and they're just like. Oh, I, are
1: you like, talking about the new Power the Rangers? The new or? Power Rangers. Movie? I was thinking back to the one from the nineties that I was. Admittedly, kind of excited to see. I love that movie. Yeah, The new one, I, I did see the new one like when it was on Amazon or something. It was... I did not. It was weird. Weird. Yeah. Most of the time they were trying to activate their suits. and yeah. I just thought that was strange. Yeah, they got... And the suits then looked really bad. Yeah, I was looking forward to a sequel that we'll probably never get. We'll get it 20 years later. It'll be a... a they'll revamp it like Spider Man.
2: When your grandkids come around they'll yeah. revamp it.
0: There'll still be Keanu Reeves. It'll be Keanu Reeves as John Wick as Neo as the Green Ranger. <laughs>
3: <laughs> he could Nicholas do his cage as
0: Zordon.
1: <laughs> Brian Cranston wasn't a bad
0: Zordon. No, he wasn't. He wasn't. But people so forget that
1: he was Zordon. I think he likes it that way. I mean Zordon's fairly iconic. I everyone when when they talk about Brian Cranston they think of breaking bad, but I'll never not see the dad from Malcolm in the middle. <laughs> Just, he is he is forever the dad from Malcolm in the middle. He is forever possibly
0: the unknown greatest actor of our time. And a man who made math in his underwear out in the middle of the desert.
1: Because apparently that's how you
2: have to make math. So we can't make math. I mean you can, can go, go to Geneva and see how they do it.
0: You know, a lot of places and see how they do it, but you know, when when you find out that you know if you blow up a meth that they can take out a city block. I don't trust my science.
3: That well. <laughs> like, I'm just,
0: the ADD will definitely kick in, and everybody's houses get blown up. Yeah. Or like they have the the uh, things on Netflix where like they're making it like in a pop bottle out in the middle of the forest. Like oh, you got to put the battery acid in. People are putting battery. Where like,
2: are we smoking?
1: Like, well, I mean, it was, it was the big thing when we were kids. Like, people dip in cigarettes in formaldehyde. Oh. What do they call it? Wet. Yeah. yeah. It's like, that's what they put in dead people. Like, okay. why? Like, chasing the ultimate high just doesn't make sense to me. All I can think about... Go skydiving.
2: That's an ultimate
1: high. could also be an ultimate low. <laughs> a real
2: ultimate low. I mean, you don't really go that low. Once you hit the ground, you just kind of go splat not really... You're hoping.
1: You might make a crater depending on where you hit.
2: Mm, if you
0: hit sand. Yeah. Only one thing pops into my mind and I know you've probably seen this movie out of boredom. It's that movie Crank with Jason Statham and at the end he lands on the ground and he should have been dead and then they made a crank 2 where he just gets up. Like he jumps out of a plane. He lands smack dead in the middle of the road. Isn't that should... the one where
1: he's got to keep his heartbeat going? Yeah. yeah and, you should his going. and then like
0: crank 2 he just back up. And you're like
2: there is no he idea. had his heart rate so high, it like kept him alive somehow. <laughs> like I don't know.
1: Because your heart rate directly translates to your. Heart I think Jason Statham at that point
2: was just taking whatever movie he could to like be in a movie. Yeah, it was
0: you know it was that horrible time in between the Transporter and the Expendables. When people told the truth that Jason Statham like five foot three and he's just a stunt man.
1: Wouldn't that be before Expendables? Yeah, yeah, right
0: before
2: the Expendables,
0: he was just sitting there. It was in, in
1: between Transporter and the Expendables.
0: I thought that was before Transporter. No. Mm, that's after Transporter. Transporter's like, we we'll put him on the map. I remember because that chicken varsity blues was like the second main character in, in the Crank movie. And uh, I forget uh, what other, she was in, was it Road Trip? Yeah, she was a girlfriend in Road Trip.
1: Oh, uh, she was the, 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 yeah. She was a girlfriend in Road Trip. She was also Tasty Hot Coma Wife in Scrubs. Yes,
3: yes.
0: And I remember I remember I couldn't tell you her name (laughs) I remember like Watching the movie And then like There's that point Where like They're in the middle of public And they have to like Have sex And I'm like And I finally realized Who she is And I was so excited That she just had a job
1: (laughs) Good for you I'm like Good for you Getting work Her
0: name is Eluding me But
2: look at you working Jamie Moyer Jamie Moyer well, I mean, good on her. I literally put in Tasty Hot Coma Wife,
1: and that's who <laughs> popped up. Yeah, man, well, job. is that her Jamie. name in the show, or?
0: No, her name was, uh, was her name Jamie? I could have sworn her real name was, like, Amy something. Oh well, who cares.
1: Because she mean, had an actual name in the show.
0: I'm pretty sure. No Amy Smart. Yeah, Amy Smart. I'm pretty sure that, like, anybody just walked up to her, and they're, like, either they're, like, yeah, it's John Moxon's girlfriend from Varsity Blues, or... You're the girl with that banged up from all people with Crank, or you're tasty, hot combo
1: wife. You know, you just deal with it. Hey, yeah. she at least had a career. Yeah. Now she can make money doing those uh, cameo things for, for money, where you, you videotape yourself right. doing a personalized message. I feel like we could make money doing a cameo. I mean, who's to say, like, if you're broke,
0: because some of those are fairly expensive, I've looked at them. Because uh, my wife loves uh, Shamar Moore, and I was like, "I'll oh, get her a Shamar Moore cameo." Looked at it, the fuck I will. <laughs> I was like, "We could do a lot more than just, you know Shamar Moore." But I'm like, you know, what if I'm like a five dollar cameo? Like, sure, they don't know me, but I'm just like, hey man, happy birthday, bro. Good job, good job, staying alive another year. You did it.
1: Shout out from me. They have that that sh- uh, website, Fiverr. That that that. YouTube guy got in all the trouble for because he's paying people five bucks to do a bunch of racist shit in Africa. Only for five dollars.
3: Well, they're in Africa.
1: Five dollars might be a lot there. I don't know what the exchange rate is.
0: Well, by the next time you guys come on the show, we should probably look up the exchange rate. For Africa?
1: I mean, I'm not going to do racist stuff, but I mean, like, that's some jackass type stuff. I don't know. I think Fiverr might have changed there policies after that it made kind of international news. Anything okay, Anything in Af- Africa that's not racist or
0: has to do with hippos? Because hippos are dangerous, horrible, crazy
1: animals unless they're You innocent. don't want to
2: try and ride a hippo?
1: I don't want to go near do it. Do you know that crocodiles ride hippos? Like they live almost symbiotically but a hippo will snatch up or a crocodile if it wants to. I mean if I can get a picture of a crocodile riding a hippo, that
2: would be pretty badass. I'm, I'm going to find one that's it no, 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 but I mean, like, it, we go. Yeah, I want to um, see. It. And then get, like, I like. I don't actual, want to be like,
1: anywhere near a hippopotamus right. outside of some type of enclosure. Oh, no, I do. Because they are. In,
2: they
0: they fast, kill like 500 ambitious.
1: people a year. They're, well, they're a fast dead,
0: and vicious. And yeah. then you have people at, who are going on safaris and you see the hippo at the zoo or, like, the, the hippo from, uh, what is it, Fantasia. And that's what you're thinking. Oh, look at this hippo.
1: They're the deadliest yeah. animal in Africa. Right.
0: It's not about, there's no ballerina hippo. You're not getting hmm. close enough to that hippo to go, oh my god, look at you, look at, you, look at, you, look at you. and he's going to eat you. And it's probably going to catch your family, and it's going to eat them. And it's going to go back to staying in the water, and it's going to act as if.
1: And then it's going to shit you happened. out in the water. Right. Because it'll eat you. And you know what?
2: You guys can make millions off of my YouTube video.
3: I don't, I don't think that's how that.
0: YouTube works. I don't think you... they'll let us put that on there. we we'll have to start a whole other thing for that.
2: Mm, I don't know. I'm sure you can make money off it.
1: You can put it on World Star. Oh, we could. Is that still a thing? We could. We probably throw it up on of Limewater still what, out there.
0: <laughs> I don't know what category it's going to be under, but somebody will watch it.
1: Frostwire? Snuff. snuff.
0: <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, no one's doing anything else with it. But you know, <laughs> as long as it, it's it's making money, and we can build Michael Monument. But in the monument, it'll look like he's going to kill the hippo instead of you know the truth, where he was massacred by the hit-ball.
1: It'll be him riding a hippo with a crocodile. Like a whole new world from fucking <laughs> Aladdin.
2: Just me, me holding the crocodile
1: like this on top of a hippo.
2: Like,
0: right. well, I was thinking like you on the top of the hippo holding the crocodile by the tail. I
2: don't know. I'm thinking like... Spinning it around like a terrible <laughs> towel. No, like, I'm, I'm riding the hippo and then I'm just like holding the crocodile like I'm presenting it. Like, Look at this.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like Simba.
2: Like
3: Simba. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: And we've looped back to uh, Black Panther. There you go. There you go. You, you know what? So it's only taking two hours to loop back and cool.
0: My riding a hippo, he's holding, he's holding the
2: crocodile,
0: and holding on to him like he's holding on the back of a, mat, a motorcycle. It's T'Challa. <laughs> They're on a wild ride through the jungle.
2: I don't know about having a dude holding onto the back of me. I'm not cool with that. But the it's cold. the
0: Black Panther. You're
2: helping him. You're helping him get through the. Maybe Why he- does the Black Panther need me? I would need the because Black you Panther. Tamed right? the hippopotamus. Tamed you walk, what what is the Black
0: Panther? Doesn't matter. We're talking about Black Panther like full feet. He's not a hey, god. Like, we're talking about you wearing what you are what you wearing right now. And you just walk up and just tamed this hippo and snatched up a crocodile. But understanding that crocodiles are like five times bigger than alligators, but here now you're holding this sixteen foot
2: thing and he's like, Oh my god, I mean at Depends that on point, the crocodile, I think. At that point, you might We be. didn't establish what size crocodile it was. It could have I mean, been like a baby croc.
0: I'm gonna put you on a baby. I'm put,
2: like, this thing's huge. It's gonna look like it's weighing you down.
0: Right. Like you're just holding. <laughs> like my arms, just like. Uh. And, just, and it's still alive too. In my in my mind, this thing is still alive, and it's like the greatest thing you've ever seen. He's holding on to you because guess
2: what? By the end of this, he's gonna have me built like Stallone, holding this freaking No, thing. you're
0: just built like you are. And this is just amazing. Dad bod and all. No. Well, hey, dad bods are. You said dad bods are in. He'll not, make
1: it so your arms are shivering <laughs> <laughs> underneath the weights.
0: But you're just doing all these things because guess what? If you walked up there in plain clothes, just out of nowhere, I just imagine you just get out of the truck and you just kinda of walk up. Just hop out of the like, the land rover and yeah, just hop like, onto a hippo. Like, Tashala's like watching you from afar and he just watches you just walk up and just straight like smack <laughs> the out of of his hippo. And now you're just in the the gate of the crocodile comes up and you just snatch it up. And you know at that point, you're the king of Wakanda now. I am the captain now. You are the, you are the
1: captain. You're running the show. You get to throw Chadwick Boseman off a waterfall. Well, he, you, the you can't. He's him not him a waterfall. he's not with us.
2: dead, Bill.
1: Okay, that you doesn't go, preclude you from throwing you him can't off. Can't throw a dead guy off the
2: waterfall. That's like desecration of a dead body. I mean,
0: I mean it is. We don't know if there's anything against that in Wakanda. Yeah. I'm
2: not. Whole I'm sure law. the Wakandans would not be happy if I threw his dead body off the waterfall. Probably. Not. I feel like I'd get like a.
1: Something thrown at me at that point. You'd or have to fight that e Bay guy with the gorilla mask. Oh, yeah. you definitely dude live The dude living in the mountains. What's his name? No, uh, Why well, his
0: name?
1: Or the little midget guy with the rhino? Yeah. We
0: live in the the guy from Get Out.
1: I mean, he looks He's like a midget British. compared to everybody else. Like when like, you hear him talk, like, in real life, it's well, crazy. If
0: you're like me with an overactive imagination, you just assume that all movies are intertwined. In my mind, the guy from Get Out had a, such a horrible experience that he left and went to Wakanda and tamed rhinos. And that's where he's, like, living out the rest of his life. But also, anytime that he sees
1: somebody with, like, a teacup and a spoon, he is absolutely freaking out. You should, I mean, I can't believe they're in Africa and they have war rhinos, but not war elephants. It's been established that war elephants actually work. War rhinos, I don't know really think. Well, I mean, if you've got a bunch of
0: people hanging out with the guy from Get Out, who needs that? You just send all those fuckers to the sunken place. <laughs> you hit that thing, everything stops. Everybody's in the sunken place. They're just done. That's how I look at it. But, you know, good for him. But you can be the king of Wakanda if you really, really try. Also, um, when Black Panther 2 comes out, I can't, I hope that that place that sells the dashikis he's at risk them mall. Like I hope it finds another spot like Matter Mall or somewhere, because you weren't with us, but we're walking around the mall before it starts. There's a guy in a store. He's got a dashiki on. He's selling everyone all this stuff because they're going to see Black Panther. The store closes. He's going to see it, and he takes off the dashiki, and he's got on like a full red and white Adidas tracksuit. Everything that was African about him changed at that moment. He's like, Yeah, you got this, yeah, you got this ducky. And then he turns it off and, like, he just, like, literally takes out his phone like, Yeah, man, i to go see this black panther dog. And me and Bill are just standing there. And thank God the kids didn't ask any questions about this because I don't know how to explain how this man has just flipped the script. Sure, I just met you guys there, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah. You really did miss out on that guy. He was the greatest. It was a, it was a
1: unique uh, experience.
0: But with that being said, thank you both for joining me for my first episode. I think that uh, if you don't know that you're watching coaching or listening to coaching sessions right now, um, I don't know what you clicked on or what you thought you clicked on, but I hope that you were thoroughly entertained and you, uh, you learned some things here. And um, maybe we made you mad with some of our stuff. Maybe we didn't, but uh, you can always hit me up on an email at coaching sessions underscore live are the coaching sessions, Facebook, our Instagram page, and let it be known that you're angry that I've now made a white gentleman the king of Wakanda. But I really, really feel as though like he did quite I'm a bit. A,
1: I'm a little brown. He's got a
0: tan today, so yeah,
1: he's not full of white. He's he's Polynesian.
0: I see. Yeah, there you go. Either way, but my people's first fear is right. good, and and you can't be angry because then you'd be judging, and I want you know we want everybody to be in a place where they can be as successful as they want to be.
2: Or judge me, I don't care. Yeah, He's gonna be the king of Wakanda. Yeah, I'm, I'm the, the king of Wakanda. Wakanda, what do I care? <laughs> yeah. Off with his head.
0: Right. Well, he's got spears that can stop kicks. What does he care? But, uh, you know, hopefully in that, um, Bill does not show up as Killmonger. <laughs> That'd be a lot of work to cut myself all those times. I thought they were just like,
2: I thought he just used like a brand and just he kept doing this until like he just. Brands, scars. It was it was some type of scar body model. They looked like brands. Would it just be a uh, burned on? Still, would not be fun. No,
0: like maybe something simpler, like some cuts. Like, a, like a,
2: that wouldn't be a fun either. When and it just
0: tattoos. Like a, a tattoo of like a one and a two for how many kills you
1: get. Like that's a lot. Like the side of a fighter jet. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, thank you for having thank us.
0: Thank you guys. And, um, as I said, listening to coaching sessions, and now we're all really anticipating Black Panther 2. So uh, go out and, and see that. Maybe and we'll have a White King of Wakanda at the end of it. Exactly. It's going to be Martin Freeman. I was hoping you'd say Morgan Freeman. I'm like, <laughs> Morgan Freeman's not white. You know, we should probably end it right
2: now. He could <laughs> be. <laughs> like a he, whole other thing. he could be
1: in the <laughs> movie. Plus, if he was in it, white face isn't a problem, it's black face is the problem. A white like, guy or a black guy can can put on white. Although
2: heads. a white guy playing a black guy did kind of become a problem after Tropic
0: Thunder. Well, actually, it became a problem after that. uh, what was it Called Back to College or something, and it was it was an eighties movie where a white guy wore blackface to try to get in.
1: I think uh, it became a problem with the minstrel shows on vaudeville. But, well, yeah, but for
0: those, I mean, Eddie Murphy did whiteface and it was hilarious.
1: Yes, he did it in uh, back it Coming to America yeah. too.
0: They didn't come into America
1: one. Yeah, but coming to America two is twenty twenty. I don't, I don't respect
0: that. I don't think of it. I refuse to watch it. It's not real. Any any Eddie Murphy movie where he's not swearing, it's not a real Eddie Murphy movie. Less a Shrek. In the morning, I'm making waffles. That's a nice boulder. That's a fine boulder. Any donkey who who evolves into a, an awesome guy who ends up having sex with the dragon.
1: Procreating, no less. Yes.
0: Donkey dragons. Yes. Those are scary. And luckily, once again, kids too young to ask questions about donkey dragons and me having to, <laughs> to do anything. Just, I'm ending this. It is over. Bye. Thank you. Go listen to something else about donkey dragons.